With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is KJ Live with Chris Johnson. And Chris is having conversations with influencers in the sports world and entertainment industry. Now here's Chris Johnson. What's happening? You're now tuned in to KJ Live. Today's guest on the show is my man, ESPN College Basketball Analyst Sean Farnham, my former teammate, a good friend of mine, Sean. What is happening, my man? Not much, man. Congratulations, first and foremost, to all the success that you're having. Uh, just so proud of you, uh, you, you know, taking ownership and content. I know it's a big thing for your family uh, to see Josiah doing his thing on TNT, uh, to seeing your dad continue to rule the NBA the way that he has for so many years. Uh, get that ring with the Bucks. Love all of it. Uh, but, you know, as as you've always blazed, Chris, uh, your own trail. And I know we'll probably talk about your trail at some point in time during this conversation. But absolutely, you always blazed your own trail, and and now you're taking ownership in your content, uh, and the, you're becoming a great content creator and giving a great platform for people uh, to intersect not just with basketball, but with the culture uh, around the game of basketball and the entertainment aspect of it. I mean, it's just so in your fat. It's just in your fast lane, man. And I'm so proud of you and uh, what what you're building here, man. Man, I appreciate it, man. Go look, look, watching guys like you during the college basketball season all for the last 20 years, Sean. I mean, it's just been inspiration. I've been knocking at the You're door. You make me feel old now. Don't say 20 hey, years. Hey, I, I've been knocking old. at the door. I've been knocking at the door. I've been knocking at the door. I finally got a little break. I'm very blessed and proud to be here. But, man, this is about you. I want to talk about you, Sean. Yeah, I mentioned a 20-year career. I've all, I always wanted to kind of find out the story, the background of, of how you got involved in broadcasting because I thought you were going to go down the coaching route or the prof- yeah. uh, or even try to play pro. I thought that, you know, honestly, I thought that you might have had an opportunity to play overseas. Talk about what made you get into the broadcasting game um, as, a, as a youngster. 
So, I mean, I think to, to go back to your point, like I had one contract offer overseas. It was in Budapest, Hungary. See? Um, and, and I had that offer, opportunity to go over there. Uh, I, I looked at it. Um, and then at the same time, though, I got offered an assistant coaching job at Pepperdine, like right away. And so you were so like, was, Budapest, Malibu, Budapest, Malibu. The boo? <laughs> or Budapest? Uh, I, I chose the boo over Budapest. Uh, so, yeah, look, it was uh, – that was an easy decision. But to go back to your yeah. point about broadcasting, um, you know, look, it, it kind of started uh, – in the, in the strangest of ways, and you know this, like it just sometimes things doors open up you don't, you don't even expect to open up. But I remember, uh, and, and you can attest to this. I, I was goofy. I've always been a little goofy. Uh, when I was playing at UCLA, I, I was the guy that you know after after pregame food, like I just go down and I just start like throwing up shots in the gym. I mean, let's be honest, I wasn't going to get a lot of shots during the games, so I was going to get my shots up uh, when there was nobody else in, in, in Poly Pavilion. And one time, yeah. Bill McDonald was there, and Billy Mack was sitting there and I was like, yeah, dude, you've got the easiest job in the world. And he goes, well, why would you say that? He's like, how, how would you do tonight's open? And we were playing Arizona State. And I was like, oh, I do this. I said, oh, I grabbed the microphone and I was like, hey, tonight in Poly Pavilion, it's Arizona State Sun Devils taking on uh, UCLA. And while the focus could be on Veal, Laser, or Batiste, the youngster out of Northern California, Eddie House, could cause a lot of problems hey. for the Bruins tonight. And I didn't know, but the microphone was open to the truck, and in the truck was the coordinating producer of the time of, of Fox Sports West. Wow. So he comes down, he's like, who was that? And I'm sure I was like, you know, doing hook shots from half court or something, trying to drop kick it in uh, from the stands <laughs> or something. And he's like, it's that guy. So he calls me over and goes, hey, do you want to do some TV stuff? And so my final two years, and this was after you graduated, but my final two years at UCLA, I did uh, the Farnham Files on the UCLA Sports Magazine show. And it was a weekly program back in the day with Fox Sports West. And what it did was it got me really comfortable with the camera. Like I never looked Mm -hmm. at the camera as something like, oh, my gosh, there could be a million people on the other side of this thing. I looked at it as if you and I are having a conversation right now. And and a lot of that was the people that I worked with. Billy Mack is is the ultimate mentor of just enjoying uh, and having fun and embracing the opportunity to call sports. Yeah. And uh, because of that relationship. You know, I mean, some of the things I did was like, where do we hang out on Bruin Walk? And, you know, the wall that we used to sit on outside uh, the Bruin Walk with the Taco Bell over to the to the uh, the, the right hand side of it. Um, yeah. You know, we, we did things like that. I interviewed Lav and was like, how come I don't play a little bit more? Like, I mean, let's be honest. I know I'm not great, but I could I could get a little bit more burn. But it was, you, you it didn't was ask Lav that. Did you ask Lav? That? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> what did he say? But it, what did he say? He said, come on, we got seven pros on my team. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, highs and lows, ebbs and flows is how it goes. Um, but, you know, one of the things that that I, I learned, though, was that you can be yourself. You can be authentic. You don't have to be, you know, stiff, rigid, like, hi, everybody, I'm Tom Brokaw. You know, like you could actually be, you know, just just yourself. And especially in the, in the, the sports medium, you can really allow yeah. your personality to come through and connect Absolutely. with people on the other side. And so that kind of was what – drew me to it and then you know through my coaching stuff like I, I really did like to your point I thought I was going to be a college coach I really did uh and I was yeah. lucky to be on a, uh, a staff that was really really good at, at Pepperdine uh but unfortunately after my first season uh St. Bonaventure opened up really really late so it was after yeah. the final four and the coaching carousel had already kind of slowed down yeah. and Jan Van Bredikoff made the decision uh to go to St. Bonaventure and he asked me if I wanted to go with him uh, but I had just gotten engaged, and Wait, my wife, so- my fiance, 
uh, had two years left at UCLA as a part of the soccer program. And this is before FaceTime. And this is before all the ways you could connect now. Like then you had no way of connecting outside of your phone. Uh, Emails, as you know, like we were just, we didn't even know what emails were. Like we're like, sure, okay. Like at UCLA.edu. Good. This is my email. (laughs) Uh, I'm never checking it. Yeah, never checking it. Never knew what it was supposed to do. It was awesome. It was good days. Uh, But I I made the decision at that point in time that I I knew that if I left, there's no way that that relationship would ever last. And so I called up the same people that I was doing the work for for free when I was at UCLA. And I said, hey, listen, for two years, I was part of this show. Any chance you'll give me an opportunity to get paid? And they did. And uh, that's kind of how it started. It started with high school sports. It started making $250 an appearance. Uh, I wasn't making a lot of money. I had to get a full-time job outside of it, but it was all part of the process uh, that has led me now to the last 12 years being at ESPN and and enjoying every step of that journey along the way. Yeah, I will say that even early on, man, it, it, back at UCLA, I could tell that you were destined to do this, like whether we, it was on the team bus, whether it was in the locker room, whether it was in the dorms, where we're joking. Because I didn't shut and, up. <laughs> and, but no, you would you would break into your mode. You would break into your mode where you have an imaginary microphone and you'd like start interviewing me or you'd be doing some stuff. Well, Chris, talk, talk about, you know, I'd be like, Sean, shut, you know, like Farnham, yeah. like, dude, chill out because <laughs> we weren't in the mood for it. But you That's and I'll tell you, Tony, what you guys said to me when I was at UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I'll tell you what, but I'll tell you what, you and Tony Luffman. You, Tony Luffman, who has worked, you know, has a major media presence. You guys are, to me, were the two most natural television people I had seen in my era that I'd been around. I was just like, you know, just in general. So that just, I saw it back then, but, you know, it's, it's amazing that, that you gave up coaching for love. That was yeah. that's a that's a major move. So she was too. And I don't want to get too personal, but no, you it was can. That, I'm good. I'm an open book. It was, man. It, was, it, it was that. So it was. She was that important to you at yeah, that like, point I mean, in life. Look, and, and the crazy part about it is, you know, like I was really, really young. I mean, I, I got engaged um, at 22. We got married when I was 24, and oh, wow. um, yeah. you know, like yeah, you did it right. I always, I always joke. I said, listen, if if you know you got a lottery pick, you don't sign them to a 10 day. You know, you're going to try to you're going to try to sign him to a long term contract. And, um, you know, like, super max. There's there's highs and lows in any relationship. Um, sure. Anybody that's been married, anybody that's been in a serious relationship they you guys, everybody knows that. Um, but we're, we're closing in on 20 years of marriage. And um, it's it's, you know, got three amazing kids. And there's not a day that I go by that I'm not like, you know what, like I should have gone and, and stuck into coaching. Uh, I should have continued down that path. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that had I stayed on that path, um, that I that I would have probably been a head coach already, probably somewhere. Uh, I love the game. I love coaching the game. I love studying the game. I think that's what's helped me in the broadcasting world is that I look at as if I'm still coaching. I make scouting Mm -hmm. reports for every single team that I cover. Um, I watch film to a point where my wife's like, can you please get off of Synergy, uh, which is a great website that has all of yeah. the games from all over the world. I've, I've gotten during COVID. I got really into watching European basketball, uh, mm-hmm. CSAK, a C- CSKA uh, over in Moscow as well. I think that they're innovative as far as what they're doing on their offense. I, I steal a lot of that stuff for the coaching stuff. I still do. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I've never looked back on it because uh, she has been my biggest uh, supporter. She has been my biggest challenger. Uh, she has been the person I have fought with more than anyone in the world. And I, and people hear that and they go like, 
that's a negative. And I'm like, no, it's the best part of our relationship. I mean, we're both insanely competitive. Um, but that, that fight is what keeps our lives fresh and allows us to keep moving forward and be good, the parents that we are to our kids and, and hopefully watch our kids on their journey, find their own paths to success. And I know you know that as well, uh, being a father, uh, that, you know, a lot of times you have a vision when you have a kid, what, what their path yeah. is going to be. Um, but the reality is it, it's their story, it's their journey. Um, and whatever I can do to kind of foster that and help that, uh, that that's what I'm going to do. And that's where we have connected as a couple extremely well. Wow, man. I think it sounds like you guys did it the right way. I think as far as, you know, fatherhood and pushing your kids towards their passion, you know, I, for my son, I let him kind of just pick basketball. You know, I didn't really force feed it. I didn't force feed it to him. You know, he was he was a baseball guy at first and then kind of was not really basketball, but then started to pick it up and started to love it and got the bug and then got knee deep in it. But I told him he's into crypto, all type of stuff, whatever he does. I told him whatever he does, if he decided to quit and play basketball and not play another uh, quarter of basketball, another minute of basketball, I'd still support whatever he was, you know, with the same passion. But you've got to go 100 percent, right? Like, I mean, there's no there's no halfway. So whatever your passion is, I think a lot of a lot of things and I see a lot of other kids now, obviously, because I've got young kids and it's funny to me that they kind of just go through the motions. A lot of young kids go through the motions of things. And like I tell my son, like so like basketball for my son, my oldest son, he he likes it. He plays it, but he doesn't love it. Now, if you go to his YouTube channel and check out his video game stuff that he does on Call of Duty, he's absolutely insane and he loves it. And he's becoming a content creator in that forum. And, 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 yeah. and I see the way that his his eyes light up and I see that passion and the editing and the sound and listening to music. Go, no, 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 dad, that I can't put that song here because this song needs to go here because the beat hits this. And I'm like, these are traits that are going to bode well for him in the future because he wants to get into yeah. film and television and be a producer Absolutely. and a director. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? Like, if that's your passion, like, yeah, invest more of your time in that than basketball. And sometimes people look at me and they're like, how are you not pushing your kid to play basketball? And I'm like, because I've played the game. I understand what it takes, first of all, to play at the level in which we did. You have to be really, really, really good to be a guy like you who was an outstanding scorer, even at the college level. You know, to be a guy like Baron or Matt or Earl or Jason or Dan or Jerome, like people have no idea. And then to go to that next level and be those other guys, like the Giannis's and the Luca Dot, like like you're talking about so exceptional to get Mm -hmm. to that level that if you invest time in it and you lose the opportunities that might open up or your passion or what your true passions are because you're chasing a dream that you think others expect you to do, mm. then you lose the essence of what is life. And if yeah. coming out of COVID-19 in particular, and I've had this conversation with all three of my kids, if coming out of COVID-19, you're not focused on your passion, like I'm really concerned about you. If you think you have to be somebody that you're not, out of COVID-19, after being locked in, not going to school, ha- not having friends, not having a social life, missing homecomings, homecoming dances, proms, yeah, all those things. Prom, like, dude, graduation. none of that matters. Just be happy with you. First answer the, the, to the secret to life. And Chris, you know, I'm a real positive, trying to be motivational guy a lot. But the thing that I've yeah. learned in my life is for ultimate happiness, you have to be able to answer one question. Who am I? Yeah. Who am I? Yes. If you know who you are, 
Like everything yeah. else falls into place. But if you're trying to be somebody else because you think society wants you to be, and I think I struggled with this at UCLA. Yeah. I, I, I struggled with this big time as a freshman, yeah. as a sophomore coming into that locker room with those guys. I failed. Oh, man. I Sean, let me touch on that. It's it's I think that's one of the most difficult things for for us, uh, especially just an understanding of self and, and grasping who you are and who you can project to be. I was confused a lot growing up just because, you know, my upbringing and, you know, living split. My parents were divorced. so I'm living with my dad in Bel Air and I'm living with my mom in South Central. And so, you know, I have to act a certain way over here and have to act a certain way over there. And so by the time I got to UCLA, I kind of, you know, I, you know, you, you, you're, you're on the basketball team and, you know, everybody's looking at you. Everybody wants to be a part of you. So you don't know how to really I personally I didn't know how to act. So it would always kind of backfire. I'd start just being Stani Loco or some crazy variation of, of really who Chris really was. Like, Sean, you'd see, you know, there were two sides. Oh, yeah. that you, did. you know, there was yeah. like, there was Chris I when he there was, was normal. Five sides. Of you. I didn't think <laughs> I, I, oh, you're making me, you're making me sound like that, but no, but so what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is it took me, I'm, I'm about to be whatever I'm about to be old uh, next yeah. month, my birthday, but it took me 30, 35 years, and I'm and I haven't mastered it to grasp what you're talking about of understanding who I am and really being comfortable with projecting that out here. And it's, it's even comfortable in your own skin. It comes through in television, whatever we're doing, especially media stuff. It's like the best people are the ones that are themselves and aren't trying to be some version of a TV guy. You know what I'm saying? And so, and for me personally, that's been the struggle. How did you reach achieve that level of comfort? especially in front of the camera. I mean, I, I know you had the experience, but what do you, is there something you tell I honestly yourself? go back to our time at UCLA, Chris. Like, honestly, like, I mean, I, I tried so hard uh, to fit in, yeah. uh, too hard to fit in. I was a try hard. Like, that's what the kids, the young kids would say. I was a try hard. I tried <laughs> so hard to fit in um, to the dynamics of our team, right? And, you know, I, I was raised differently. Like, I mean, like we're all raised differently. We all have different journeys and different paths, right, to get there. Um, but I, I, I really was like, OK, so I didn't listen to a lot of rap music before I came to UCLA. I, I didn't know who DMX was until I sat in the locker room for the first time. And I was like, whoa, like this is kind of good. Uh, but, you know, there, there was there was I was a country music guy and I was from a really oh, yeah. small town in the East Bay. And and all yeah. of a sudden now I'm in this locker room with national champions like yourself, like Toby, like J.R. Henderson, uh, Cam, yeah. Bob, uh, Chuck. Like, I mean, they, yeah. that was that was an incredible group in 97 of guys that had yeah. rings. And then you add in the mix Jelani yeah. McCoy. Uh, Brandon Lloyd out of, out of Oklahoma. Um, mm -hmm. And I was the only freshman. So I didn't have really anybody that I could look to to kind of balance out, like, how do I assimilate into this group? And I was yeah. lost. And I started doing things that I'd never done before. Like, I didn't drink in high school. I started drinking a lot when I was Did at you? UCLA in particular. Did oh, you? You didn't drink around oh. me? The first, hey, the, first, the first night I went out, it was the, uh, the, that Sunday before school started. And you all took us out and, and yeah. I, yeah. I went sideways and then I was like, well, this is fun. And then I realized also the power of, I play basketball at UCLA. I'm part of this fraternity. Like I didn't yeah. have to go through an initiation because the initiation was being a member of that team and the status yeah. in which you guys all had on that campus was unique. And so I started yeah. deviating uh, from, from things that were, were innately me. And it wasn't until probably my junior year, and, and then couple that with the time that my entire life, I played every minute of every basketball game that I ever wanted to play. 
mm-hmm. and I end up playing nine games in 30 minutes as a freshman. freshman. And then that dropped to nine games in 18 minutes as a sophomore. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I was lost. I mean, I was lost. I, I did not know how um, to change my place on the team. I did not know how to uh, positively – I felt like I had no positive impact whatsoever in the success that we had as a group. Um, and I felt that I was uh, losing my identity because for so long in life, when you're an athlete – and Chris, you know this – that you identify with your sport. Like your sport yeah. becomes who you are when you get to that level. And yeah. for me, yes. I was like, basketball is my sport, but I'm not even playing like, how can that be my sport? How can that be my identity? And there, there was a time in particular where I hit rock bottom. And I have no problem telling you, telling this story because I think it's important that people understand. Uh, we went down to Madison's after a game. Uh, and I ended up taking a lot of shots, probably about 13. And I went back to my, my room uh, and I threw up all night long and probably had alcohol poisoning uh, and was emotionally distraught. My girlfriend came over at the time and she was like, what yeah. is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm a disappointment to my parents. I'm a disappointment to my teammates. Uh, I, you know, I'm a joke. And that's how I felt. And it was kind of, that was the rock bottom moment where I had to pull myself back up out of that because there's two ways I could have gone there. I, I could have spiraled out of control and just continued down that, that, that path. Um, or I could kind of stand up on my own two feet and start to identify maybe something that I could do to help the team. Uh, and more importantly, that my value in life had nothing to do with basketball. And my value of what I could bring to the table was a lot larger uh, than UCLA basketball, although UCLA basketball clearly has opened up so many doors of opportunity for me. I don't want to diminish that. But my life right. was bigger than that. And Sean, that's a very mature uh, perspective to have at that time in your life. It sounds like you know, uh, like a it's an occurring theme in a lot of my interviews. I ask people about mental health challenges and what happens when they're at their lowest point as an athlete. How do they pull themselves up? I ask you this question: Was there someone that helped that helped you get out of that funk? Someone that helped you, gave you some tools on how to cope, and gave you this information, or did you do some soul searching and kind of figure this thing out on your own? I would say it was my wife. Um, I, you know, she, we were dating at the time and. And she she stood up. I would say it was my dad. Uh, my dad was incredibly hard on me as a child. Um, yeah. You know, I, I you know would score thirty six points in a high school game at De La Salle, but miss too many free throws and have to come home and make two hundred free throws before I could go to bed. I couldn't go out with the guys and and party or go to the movies or whatever. And that was just yeah. That was my upbringing. And yeah. but my yeah. dad, I remember one time I, I you know I actually walked in the office after my sophomore year and I told Lav I was transferring and that I was going to leave. And we walked up to, uh, I walked out of there. I walked up to the uh, administration building. I grabbed my transcript so I could have that. Lab said he would grant my waiver. Uh, and as we walked back towards the dorms where I was staying for a C session of summer school, uh, my dad turned around and goes, let me ask you this. Take basketball out of the equation. You want to leave this? And I was looking back over UCLA's campus right there between the tennis center and Drake Stadium. And you know exactly where I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. And I'm like, no, uh... <laughs> no, I don't want to leave this. Where am I going to go? Colorado State? Like, I mean, I was, gonna, I was probably going to transfer to like Colorado State. And I'm like, I'm going to leave UCLA for Colorado State. Like, no offense to Colorado State, but no. it is not UCLA. So we walked back down the hill right away. And I walked into Lav's office and I said, listen, I said, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not transferring. 
I can't do that. I'm not a, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to walk away. I'm a fighter uh, and I'm going to figure something out. And, and inevitably I did. I changed every aspect of how I played. Um, and I tried to find a role that nobody else really wanted to do on the team. And that's how I ended up getting my, my Started. mini, my, my small role on the team. And, and, and it's so funny because you know, this Chris, like people talk about oh, Farnham starting. That's a joke. I'll be the first Whatever. one to tell you 100%. It was no, I'll be uh, Chris. I'm honest. But we were, like, a, we were a no. How many games in a row did we win with you starting? We never lost Did a regular we? season game that I started. That, that's what I'm saying. We were undefeated. We start finding him as the starter, bro. Give me a but, break. But but, but <laughs> the reality of it is, is when you have Jerome Moiso, Dan Gazirk, Matt Barnes on the team, there's no way Sean Farnham should be starting. So I understand yeah, I why people on the outside would look at that. Yeah. Now, from sure, my sure, perspective, sure. and I and I got in this great conversation, like Earl came over one time to my, my duplex when I first got married. And he yeah. asked, he goes, do you have the Maryland game? That we played in the NCAA tournament when we absolutely Ooh. blitzed Maryland. What a game! Like, oh my god! I couldn't. And so we put it in. Earl's got 16 assists, zero turnover, 17 oh, points. He's throwing lobs from like three crazy. quarters court. Jerron's catching, Deep doing threes. reverse dunks, oh. slapping the backboard. I mean, Hard. straight off of like a four month suspension. I mean, it was <laughs> it was just silly. And I said to Earl's, we're watching the game. I'm like, you never ran the offense where I could get a shot. And he goes, that's because I knew that you would ball reversal without even looking for your shot. Mm-hmm. You would set the best back screen that gave me the best opportunity to get the lob, but also kept the timing right so that when you ball reversal to me, I could hit Dan, Jerome, or Matt on the block and let them go to work, and we were good. And I kind of thought about that, and I was like, well, then every change I made in my game was worth it because that's what I was really trying to do. Because when you have a team that has Capono and Matt and and Earl and all those guys, Billy Knight, uh, you didn't need Sean Farn, Ray Young. You didn't need Sean Farnham to shoot the ball. In fact, it was mm-hmm. a detriment and probably a bad shot if I shot it. And oh, so wow. what I needed to do was try to play defense, try to rebound, try to add some toughness uh, and you set did. good screens. And, and I found that. And, but I had to change my body because when I came into UCLA, you know, I was 6'6". Six, six. I weighed like 185. 130? Oh, 185? Yeah, seriously. And then by the time I was done, I was 6'6", six, six, 245. You were so 245 for them? When I left UCLA, I was, when my senior year, I was 245. What? But I spent I, – I lifted every day. I lifted on That's game day. Crazy. I would go to the Woods yeah. Center. I was eating yeah. as much as I possibly could. When we went to training table, I grabbed like four or five chicken breasts and just start eating like as much mm-hmm. as I could because I knew the only way I could contribute is if I got stronger. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that was what I did. And so my shot went to hell. Um, I couldn't shoot it hardly at all because I was too str- – like my neck and everything was too Buff. tight. Um, yeah, like but it was it was what allowed me to get the, out there and have the opportunity to play and, and really enjoy my final two seasons at UCLA. Yeah, I mean it was a great time, man. You you did us proud, bro. The the undefeated during the regular season is something that still resonates to me this day. Um, I guess moving forward to to UCLA present day, let's touch on some stuff going on oh, for in, sure in college basketball and what we're doing right now. Let's stay in Westwood preseason number one or number two depending on which poll Ken Palm has number seven. Do you think that, (laughs) do you think that the Bruins can win the national championship this year? I do. I do. Um, And I actually was just at practice the other day. Uh, I really like this team. Um, I I think that there's a couple things that stood out to me and it was the practice I was at was kind of a lighter practice because they'd gone hard the day before. So mm-hmm. you didn't get to even see a lot of what I anticipate, but I, I would say that let's start with just miles Johnson. Like a lot of people would go, okay, let's start with Johnny Juzang. I'm going to start with miles Johnson. Here's why I'm okay. going to start with miles Johnson. He is an elite 
level defensive big elite in the game. Uh, obviously, his block shots in, in the Big Ten. He was all defensive player in the Big Ten. But when you ha- UCLA didn't have a rim protector. Uh, and right. when you have a rim protector, you also have a, a rim alterer, right? So, like, it's not mm-hmm. just the block shots. It's how many shots is he able to alter. And then what mm-hmm. does that allow you to do innately out on the perimeter? Well, it allows you to pressure and extend That's out a it. little bit more because now you have protection behind you. Um, and so guys like Tiger Campbell that at times can struggle a little bit with his on-ball defense, I think he's going to be able to extend out a little bit. And when I, I equate it to this, like no matter how good you are as a team, and UCLA was really, really good last year, and I was lucky enough to be at that game against Gonzaga uh, covering it for ESPN. Um, but if you allow the quarterback to have time in the pocket, right? and you're not pressuring the ball because right. you don't have necessarily the backline support, the quarterback's going to eventually find somebody open. They're eventually going to start to find their rhythm at the offensive end. If yeah. you have a rim protector and you know you're protected from the backside and you pressure the ball and you don't allow the person with the ball to be comfortable, you start to become disruptive just with that very – small change and shift. And so I think defensively Mm -hmm. for UCLA, they're going to be able to pressure more. And I think part of the reason you can pressure more is also Peyton Watson. He is an athlete that UCLA did not have on their roster a year ago. They didn't have an athlete of his caliber. And even watching how smooth he glides out on the floor, I mean, he look, he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's going to be in in Westwood for a very short period of time. But when you couple that with the return of Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez and Cody Riley uh, and a Jalen Clark, who has gotten a lot, lot better from where he was a season ago, I I think that this team is all the bit of number two in the country, uh, easily could be number one in the country. Um, it's, it's the highest, you know, we haven't been number one in the country, UCLA since the seventies, uh, which is kind of remarkable to think of preseason number one, UCLA had not uh, been preseason number one. So since we, the were, 70s. we were ni- in 95, we were preseason number one, right? No, not according to the athletic department. I asked that question two days ago. I guess uh, sports it, illustrated might've had us. So they might've been no, had you at number one, the AP but no eight, but not AP or USA today or the coaches poll. So I, I, okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll test that. Okay. 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 Uh, But as you know, it's not where you start. It is where you finish and you want to play in that last game. I mean, look, like I was talking to Josh Pastner the other day for a thing for cancer uh, and Josh and I were doing a zoom and he talked about 97. I was like, well, who beat your butts twice that year? We did. But guess what? He played in the last game of the year and we did not. Right. Yeah, they did. Um, And so they get the natty and they get the ring. Uh, So I think for UCLA, yes, they have all the pieces there that will allow them to get there. I think the big thing for me is, is, is the hunger still there? Are they satisfied with the run last year? Are they believing in the hype of what they were able to accomplish? Or do they understand that there is still more for them to accomplish and that they can accomplish it? Uh, because the pieces are there for Mick Cronin. And, and for all the naysayers of Mick, and, and I understand that when he came from Cincinnati, the doubters and everything like that, when, when you watch the way that offense executed in the NCAA tournament run, that was high-level offense. That was unselfish, great basketball uh, mixed in with a, v- a defensive presence. And I think that it's boding really well for him now, uh, but also moving forward when you look at the, number, the quality of recruits uh, that he and his staff has been able to continue to go out and the level of athleticism upticking every single year in Westwood uh, means that this program is back, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Do you think, staying with UCLA, do you think the new Jordan brand deal will have anything to do. And Sean, I asked you this because you remember when we were in school as players and how we felt about shoes and what was on our feet. But do you think the Jordan brand deal, these guys are in Nikes now. Do you think this will change anything as far as their motivation to play and compete? Because look, here's my thing about UCLA playing devil's advocate. Some say they got lucky last year. Some say they went, they got hot at the right time. They had lost three straight going into the tournament, lost to Oregon state in the pac 10, 12 tournament, Got lucky. They said they got lucky against Michigan, Alabama. I mean, all type of all type of games. So playing devil's advocate. So do you think uh, this year, okay, this team with that experience, they're going to build off of that? They got the new Jordan brand deal. They're feeling good about themselves. They're looking good. You think you think that'll have something to do with it, Sean? I hope that's not a stupid question. No, no, no. I, I mean, look, we cared about shoes. Like half the time we got the Reeboks, uh, our fresh my freshman year, we were throwing them back at the Reebok rep, going like, "This is crap." Uh, you know, then we finally got AI to give us his shoes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And those, those were unbelievable. I, I think I still have those were the those. only cool ones. Those were the only comfortable Reeboks I ever worn, to be honest. It was unbelievable. Um, and then we switched to Adidas. Um, yeah, I remember. And Adidas was okay. Like they were okay, yeah. but they weren't who yeah. they are now. They're better now than they were when we, when we were rocking them in the basketball world. But we always Absolutely. wanted to be Nike. We, I mean, yeah. Baron at one point in time, I think he wore Nikes and then just covered yeah. it up with tape. He covered the swoosh. Cameron up with Dollar, tape. Cameron Dollar yes. did too. The my, your, yes. I, mean, I don't think you were there, so it was my sophomore. That was year, the year before. Me. That was the year before. Yeah, me. Dollar, Dollar was doing that all year. <laughs> yeah, Wearing so Nikes. I mean, you know, like yes, it matters, and and I think also more importantly, it, when you look at the recruiting circuits, where are the recruiting circuits? And, and we can kind of try to minimize minimize the uh, the recruiting aspect of of the college game, uh, but Under Armour really wasn't bringing a lot of high level recruits to Westwood. There's, there's some, 
but not a lot. Uh, the EYBL is the best circuit on the club scene. It is. It has been, and it will continue yeah. to be. Um, and there is a a stage now with the with the Jordan brand and the number of few schools across the country that actually have the Jordan brand um, right. that it allows the the name of UCLA associated with the name of Michael Jordan um, to just Very be nice. a perfect marriage for basketball in particular. And I think they've done a really good job of trying to capitalize on that already. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they will continue to do a good job capitalizing on it uh, and recruiting at a really, really high level. It's kind of cool, right? Like some of the some of today's youngsters, they want to feel what's what's the what's the trend, what is cool, right? Like they go on Twitter, they see what's trending. You know, you go to yeah. Instagram and you, you you flip over to like the little spyglass thing, and what do you see? What's trending? What's new? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the Jordan it's brand important. with UCLA is new. I think our athletic director Martin Jarmond has been absolutely phenomenal even in a global pandemic he was able to create a buzz and an energy that we haven't seen out of the athletic department in a long long time uh and i think that that will pay dividends not just for men's basketball but for the athletic department uh overall staying in the pac 12 i want to just get your take on the top three teams that you think are going to be uh basically the three highest seeds come tournament time that are coming out of the pac 12 no, I think number Project. two is Oregon. I, I don't think there's any doubt of that. I mean, you know Dana Altman as well as I do. Uh, Dana Altman, he just sits there every preseason media poll. He has like his bucket, like his little his little bowl, and he's got his like wooden spoon, and he's just like, oh, really? Really? I'm second? Oh, okay. Only got two first place votes. Okie dokie. I'm just going to keep yeah. stirring, keep stirring. And then all of a sudden, January, middle of January hits, and we're like, man, Oregon's really, really good. <laughs> You know, it's like, no kidding. They're really, really good. Uh, I think Guerriere, the transfer from Syracuse, uh, Harmon, the transfer from Oklahoma. These guys can really score. Uh, And and I know, obviously, we saw uh, Chris Duarte uh, in the NBA, his his debut. He had over 20 uh, in his debut. I mean, he's he's a beast uh, and they will miss him. But they Will got Richardson, guys that can score. They got Will Rich, Will Richardson, my my kid, lefty. Uh, yeah. Will Richardson, yeah, and Big I love Will. I spent, I spent yeah. time with him up there. Um, yeah. I think it's a deep team. I think this is a team that's certainly going to be preseason. Like you know, like in my rankings, preseason, they're right outside the top ten. Uh, but I, I could easily see them getting into the top ten by the end of the season, just because I think Dana Altman is that elite of a coach too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of his his philosophy of of roster turnover and we talk about this every year with Oregon we're like oh my gosh so much roster turnover he was a junior college coach all you have is roster turnover at the Juco level he's mastered that art man of meshing guys year in year out I witnessed it as you know my son was a walk-on for four years up there won three uh, Pac-12 championships or something like they got three rings I don't know if he he says he got more than me but I don't don't know I have to look at which Pac-12 he won but anyway Dude, I, it would shock me every single year. I'd be like, oh, no way he's going to make this work. You know, no way he's making these guys work. And then come. But he does. All going last five games of the season, man. Them dudes start balling out. So who do you think, though, I, so for that next kind of tier? You got, we got UCLA, I, Oregon. I think it's, obviously it's, it's, it's smashed. It's smashed up. Yeah. I, I, and, and I will tell you, my my. I think this bodes well for the conference that we start the year with maybe six or seven teams that I think can make the NCAA tournament. Uh, as you know, Chris, it hasn't been that way for a long part, but I think a lot of the expectation comes off of what was a great NCAA tournament for so many teams. But to your mm. point on UCLA, UCLA got hot at the right time. Oregon State yeah. wouldn't even made the tournament, and they got all the way to the Elite Eight. So Unbelievable. I, I think that that's great, 
But now you got to follow it up with a good November and a good December to kind of set the tone going into conference play again this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's three teams that are, that are going to be in the next group. Uh, one is Tommy Lloyd in Arizona. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that that's a group that a lot of people want to dismiss right away because he's a new coach. He's an assistant coach that is taking over as a head coach. Uh, they've done a good job getting some grad transfers in. The guys that they have back are pretty good. Uh, yeah. Matherin is is awesome. I love his Mather, game. Bennett, Bennett, yeah, he's big time. Tubelis, Tubelis is, is, is great as well. So you have two guys that are double-digit scorers coming back that have mm-hmm. experience and are, are going to be better than they were a year ago. And I had a coach tell me that Tommy Lloyd has the best resume of an assistant coach to take over a Power 5 conference job since Roy Williams. And you think about Roy Williams at Carolina, he had everything. I mean, he had the national championship and everything. Tommy only yep. lacks the national championship. Everything that he did at Gonzaga – was elite and at a very, very high level. He's a great recruiter. He's all about relationships. Uh, I think, and he's a, he's a detail-oriented coach. He's going to let offensively, they're going to play very free and flowing, uh, a very European feel to the offense. I think that's going to that's going to appease the fan base uh, in Tucson. But I, I don't think yeah. the Wildcats are going anywhere. I mean, I think they're in that mix of three, four, and five. I think, you know, Andy Enfeld doesn't get the respect that I think he desperately deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's why I say that, because, you know, as well as anybody, I mean, we, we face some really good SC teams when Granville, Bluthenthal, yeah. Trapani, Clancy, uh, Scalabrini. I mean, those were mm-hmm. those were squads. Mm-hmm. But there's been a long stretch of USC basketball where they've really kind of been in and out of even being relevant. And, right. and now they have no well, – by the way, almost no home environment whatsoever except for like one or two games per year, which is a shame because sure. the fans should come out and support Andy and, and what they have been able to build there. Uh, but they've recruited at a really, really high level. I think Isaiah Mobley coming back obviously is huge. I would anticipate that he is a little bit more assertive uh, than he has been in the past. Uh, you've got four four other top five guys back. Uh, you get a transfer in Boogie Ellis from Memphis. I, I think USC is going to be right there again. They're going to be a different team. I don't think they're going to be as focused on the interior, obviously, with Evan Mobley, who had a great debut as well in the NBA. Um, but right. I, I do think SC is going to be right there. And then I, I think the one team that is Matt overly being disrespected right now is the place where you stole the ball from Baron Davis and hit the game when he shot. That's Wazoo. Washington State. Yeah. I, I think I think Kyle Smith is Kyle is, Smith, I, baby. Kyle Smith. He is he is really good as a coach. He plays like to his him. players' strengths. He lets his yeah. guards have just amazing amount of freedom. Um Noah and I think when you look at like Noah Williams, uh you look at at, at Tyrell Roberts, the transfer from UCSD, uh, and then yep. you you have F.A. Abogidi. Uh, who I think is going to have another tremendous year. I think Washington State could be the best defensive team in the Pac-12 this year. And if they're Sean, the best back, defensive team, they make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2008. Sean, back when we played, Washington State wasn't necessarily the toughest place in the world to play. Now, given this But yet season, it was at the same time. <laughs> at the same time, because it is Pullman. But given this season with the re- return of fans and the return of these sort of, you know, home court advantage environments that you're going to have, do you think, you know, Washington State could create that type of atmosphere? Because I think that's the one thing that's just lacking for Kyle Smith up there is that yeah. atmosphere to get it really Well, cracking. given what's going on in their football program right now with Rolovich, their coach being fired <laughs> and all of that situation, the upheaval there, I think that the sports fans in that general vicinity will be looking uh, to support Washington State. So I think that you'll have good environments in particular on those Saturday games. I do worry about those Tuesday night games because a lot of their fans aren't necessarily there 
Mm-hmm. They drive in from Spokane. They drive in from Coeur d'Alene. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. They drive out from outside of Pullman to get there. So some of those Thursday night games may not have that great feel, but I would anticipate that their Saturday games should be should be really good, right. uh, especially since the conference is really good. Uh, because, yeah. you know, I mentioned those five, but we don't even mention Bobby Hurley at Arizona State, who I think is going to have much more of a team kind of that, that works for him. Uh, this year, I think Marion Jackson, uh, the transfer from Toledo is going to be really important for them. He, he averaged about 18 points per game for them uh, a year ago. Uh, you got Luther Muhammad, the transfer from Ohio State. He's now eligible to play. So I think you're going to have some experienced guys uh, that are going to work well with Bagley, who's, who returned to campus after testing the draft waters. I think Tad Boyle, best recruiting class in the Pac-12 this year, went to Colorado. Uh, so wow. I think that's he's, he's done a tremendous job coaching there as well. Uh, and they got Evan Batty back. Uh, but I do think that they miss McKinley Wright too much. And I, that's why I don't have Colorado in that upper, upper tier of the conference, just because right. I thought McKinley Wright was so valuable for what they wanted to do and find the success that they had. He was huge. Do you think Bagley has the highest uh, NBA ceiling in the Pac-12? Or, and if you do, if you don't, what player do you think does? Uh, I, I think it's Peyton Watson. I mean, I think I think Peyton Watson has that upside. I think he needs to gain strength. Obviously, like he's he's very wiry. Um, that doesn't mean that he. What has did you to bulk What did up. you see in practice? What did you see in practice, Fardum? Because that's a that's a that's a big time statement. But what did you see in practice that made you feel versatility? Like that, I saw more versatility than I expected. Creator, I would not be surprised that if he's at the point guard position at times this year for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how mm-hmm. that's how smooth he is with the ball in his hands. I think he's really good in on ball screen situations. Uh, yeah. He shot it better than I anticipated, um, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. around the ru- the rim, I mean, he's he's a, he he can elevate and finish. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think you know. Now the question for me is, can can he defend his position again? I was at a practice where there wasn't a lot of defense. Everything was offensive minded at the practice. Um, mm-hmm. But can he defend his position at a high level? If he can. Yeah then I think he becomes that guy. Uh, Bagley's interesting to me. I think, look, last year's team was so disjointed down there last year with, with Josh Christopher, Remy Martin, uh, Alonzo Verge. All of them are gone. You know, Christopher yeah. goes to the league. The other two transfer out. Remy Martin ends up going to Kansas. Alonzo Verge, I believe, is at Nebraska, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. But the ball would stick in those guys' hands – and Bagley, you know, who's very limited in the number of games in which he played, we don't really know what it's going to be like with him maybe becoming the focal point of the offense. Like now, I mean, he's number one. And you know this, Chris. Like you go back to your years, you know, your early years at UCLA, you were on the scouting report. There's no doubt about it. But then right. when you look at your senior year, man, you were defended way differently because you were yeah. going to drop 20 on their heads if they didn't defend you the right way, right? Uh, and you would be like, Balos. Uh, but like, you know, <laughs> you, you, you look at Bagley and now you're the guy that they're not worried about necessarily the, the quality of guards that they had a year ago. Cause on paper, those three guards were really, really good. Now they're looking at you. So how do you score, um, with that becoming the focal point? Are you able to score? Uh, and, and what is your efficiency rate? Now he can shoot the ball really well from the outside. So I think he's going to be able to stretch the floor a little bit. Um, but I, I do want to see what he can do with his back to the basket. Can he be a physical presence? Uh, can he be like an Evan Mobley type player that has incredible feel that when they do double team him, that he's able to pass the ball out of that double team and be right. willing to sacrifice shots for the betterment of the team. And I think that would help elevate his stock at that next level. Because when you're talking about a Marcus Bagley in the NBA, and Chris, you know this, he's a role player. He's not a star. He's a role mm-hmm. player. And that's not a negative. And people take that as a negative all the time when I say that, but, the league is full of role players. The league is not full of stars. 
Stars are mm. few and far between at the next level. Yep. What do you think is going to – and last question on the Pac-12, where's the toughest place to get a win in the Pac-12 this, this Arizona. season? Arizona. Still? It always Still? Arizona. Still? All right. Still. All right. Just because right. the fans – I mean, McHale Center is rocking at all times. My hopes would be that UCLA, coming off their Final Four, would get back to what it was when you and I were playing. I mean, you and I – like I, I tell people this all the time. We were fortunate. It didn't matter really who we were playing, ex- with the exception of maybe like one or two of those December right before Christmas games. Yeah, when people were sold gone. Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. was sold out. Like every oh, yeah. game in our conference was sold out. We had John Wooden behind our bench, and everything was rocking every single time. Uh, and it didn't matter who you played. And I, and I hope for UCLA coming off of what was such a successful season that that's the type of atmosphere that they have. I hope for across the, the conference. That in yeah. college basketball in, in general, and I saw this last week, I went to Kentucky uh, for Big Blue Madness, and 20,000 people came for the practice for their Midnight Madness, 20,000. And Chris, it felt so good to be there because uh, for a year, this was this was my backdrop for for calling games and, and working in studio is out of my son's yeah. bedroom. Um, yeah. And to be back in front of 20,000 and feel that energy was great. And I hope that college basketball fans like we've seen in football uh, come back out and support these kids, uh, these young men and women. Uh, the women's game is in incredible shape as well um, and that that they really support and, and, and buy back into this the school spirit. Because when the school spirit is there, everything starts to become better around campus. Like your academics yeah. pick up, you know, people walk around campus, they got a smile on their face. Uh, and, and coming out of this zombie year of disconnect, I hope we re-engage and people start connecting again. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, it's very important, man. And especially in college sports, the fan experience, the presence of fans, the, you know, their energy is something that that you really do feed off of. And it creates a, a tough to win environment. I'll never forget. First time played at old Matt Court up in Oregon. Yeah. We go up there. We go up there thinking we're going to get a win, man. I go in there. It's the loudest place I had ever been in my life, dude. They made it so difficult. I would love to see that, you know, old school college basketball environment return um, this year, but staying in the SEC, you mentioned Kentucky. Um, Alabama is a team. Nate Oates has done a great job down there. Uh, got Jaden Shackelford, a kid I coached uh, uh, in, a- in AAU. He's coming back uh, to that team. Talk about the Crimson Tide and the SEC. Who do you have as your kind of that first tier top three sort of teams coming out of that conference? I think it's really interesting because I think when you look, I, I, it, we always want to start. Let's start with Kentucky, right? Because you talk about the SEC yeah. starts with Kentucky, sure. right? I mean, it's Absolutely. like talking about UCLA. You talk about UC, you know, Pac-12. You talk about Pac- UCLA, regardless Absolutely. of whether or not the Bruins are good. Um, <laughs> I think Kentucky is going to be really, really good this year. Uh, and the reason why, and, and look, I just saw them in person. Um, and so, again, sometimes you get a snapshot of something. But you get a 2,000-point score in Kellen Grady from Davidson, right? A, a very good shooter, 38% from beyond the arc. Uh, C.J. Frederick. From Iowa, shot 47%, 48% last year for the Hawkeyes. He's he's now part of that. So they're going to be able to stretch the floor. And then you bring in a guard like Ty Ty Washington, uh, who, by the way, just got a deal with Porsche. So good for you taking NIS. I read, that, I read that today. I just Woo. read that. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man, I wish we had NIL when we were in college. Man. We would have killed it. We would have oh, killed it. So man. good. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but then you got Oscar Shibway as well. Uh, I mean, so you have the good mixture of freshmen, but you also have some older players. And I think the Calipari teams that have more often than not had success are those guys that have the older teams, right? It's, it's not just the young kids. It's the guys that have that experience. And, and I think that this group is hungry. And I felt there's a connectivity. And, Chris, you know this. Sometimes it doesn't take long. You could walk into a practice right now, Chris, because of your playing background and your coaching background, and you can sit down and look at a team and go, I'm not going to write down anything. I just want to see how they interact for like five to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And in five mm-hmm. to ten minutes, I, you can go, okay, this has a chance to be good just based on that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, Are they connected? Do they, do they genuinely like being around each other when they're out right. on the floor? Does it, again, you know this as much as, as I do. Off the floor, you don't have to like your teammates. You could dis- you could really dislike a lot of your teammates. But when you go between those lines, all of that stuff goes away, and how do you connect while you're there? And, and I saw that with Kentucky when I was there, and I was really impressed with Coach Cal and, and his staff and what they've been able to do. So I like Kentucky. They would be the clubhouse leaders for me. I think a team that, that maybe we're not talking enough about is Tennessee in the SEC. Um, yeah. I, I think Rick Barnes, first and foremost, all he does is go to the NCAA tournament. I mean, he changed the Vols program and the expectation level. Uh, John Fulkerson Fulkerson is back. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James is back. Victor Bailey is back. Uh, Santiago uh, Vascovi is back. And, oh, by the way, then you add in four top 100 recruits. So very similar to what I was just talking about with Kentucky. Now you you got a guy like Kennedy Chandler uh, who who comes in as one of the top point guards in the country. He's good. He's good. Now you open up your offense a little bit. And I think that defensively, I don't worry about Tennessee, but offensively, there were so many inconsistencies last year. And I think a lot of that was with like Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. They didn't have that summer. Same thing with Kentucky. Same thing with Duke. When you don't have that summer 
to learn what the expectation, what that bar is, and what you need to meet on a daily basis to be a competitor at the SEC, Pac-12, any level in the major Division One level, and you lose that. Now all of a sudden you're 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 kind of trying to play catch up the entire year, and that's why I think a lot of the freshmen didn't show out last year. It wasn't because they weren't immensely talented; it's they didn't have the same kind of time that everybody else had. I think if Jalen Johnson from Duke would have had the entire summer with K, he wouldn't have I had agree. the issues that he had early, and I think it would have benefited Duke all year long. Um, but Absolutely. but that wasn't the case. So I think Tennessee is going to benefit from that, uh, and then I think you get to the Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, the A's, Triple A, Triple A rated SEC this year. Eric, you're putting, them all, you're putting them all in one group. You're putting I'll that put in, them all in one second. group. Okay, they are all in the top twenty for me. By the way, in my preseason poll that I did, I put okay. all three of those teams in the top twenty for me. Okay, um, okay. And, and the reason why I did that is that first of all, Eric Musselman, I I will believe in until I until he proves me wrong, right? Like he he goes out and he gets transfers every year, and I get Chris likes from Miami this year, right? Average almost 16 points a game uh, for the U. Now, all of a sudden, he's coming in, and the must bus seems like it's loaded back up again with a couple of transfers from South Dakota, Little Rock. And these are the type of guys that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of like that, nobody nobody gave me the respect I deserve. And Muss is kind of that, that coach. He's like, you know, nobody gives me the, the respect I deserve. And so I expect Arkansas to play free. I expect them to play fast. They will miss Moses Moody in particular early. But I do think that they can overcome that late. I think when you look at Alabama, it is about their guards. It's about uh, J- uh, J- Javion Quiverly. It's about Shackleford, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, they, they've got guys that can flat out go uh, at the guard position. And at Nate Oates plays this unique style, as you know, Chris, where he, he gives ultimate freedom to the offense. Yeah. And sometimes people see that as if he doesn't care about the defensive end. Uh, my concern with Alabama is not their guards, it's their interior. Uh, I think right. they're they're going to miss Herb Jones as much yeah. as many any maybe any player is missed in the country. The guy was the SEC defensive player and offense uh, and, and MVP last year in the SEC. Uh, yeah. Only two other yeah. players have ever done that: right. Tyler yeah. Uwis and Anthony Davis, and both mm-hmm. were tremendous college basketball players. And so, when you lose the guy that's willing to take charges, you lose the guy that can be your point forward. Uh, you lose the guy that that is you know the heart and soul and the heartbeat of your defense. That's a huge hole that you've got to fix. And then Jordan Bruner's gone. Alex Reese is gone. So you now the guys even beside him and behind him are gone. You need to stack back up with your interior. And don't forget, uh, Josh Primo's gone too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and John Petty. Lot, and Petty. And he was a lottery pick. It was funny, man. Herb Jones, the first I had Ben Howland. Coach Howland was on my show. So he I had him doing a breakdown, UCLA, Alabama, because they had played him a few times. So he's in he's he's in the in a van headed to uh, NIT practice. He's going live with me, but he's just talking about Herb Jones, Chris. You just gotta see. Like he was raving about Herb Jones. And it turned out, you know, Herb Jones is a big time player. Uh, but I need to know about Auburn, man. Every year, yeah. you know, I see coach, I see Bruce Pearl with his shirt off, Bruce Pearl doing his thing out there. I love him as a coach, a character, and and typically he knows how to get him some really good guards. What about this iteration of the Auburn Tigers this season. Well, I think Jabari Smith is an all SEC first team caliber player. 
You're talking about uh, a number five recruit in Paul Biancardi's ESPN 100. Uh, I think he brings that freshman power in. And then I think you look at, okay, who else did they get? Well, they got Katie Johnson uh, that averaged 14 points a game at Georgia. They got Walker Kessler, who I think his numbers don't indicate what his value is and what it will be for Auburn this year, the big man from North Carolina, just because they were splitting so much time there. Uh, you got Jasper, the transfer from Charleston, that averaged 16 points per game. They, they got scores uh, to go with Jabari Smith. And there's one thing about Bruce Pearl. Like, you can't keep Auburn down. Like, and that team, for the struggles, and if you look at the record of 13 and 14 last year, right? Like, how much of that was without Sharif Cooper? Almost all of it. Had Sharif Cooper been given his eligibility, like he should have, before the start of the season, that whole season would have been different for Bruce Pearl. The whole year would have been different. Uh, and let's not forget about Flanagan being back, uh, Williams being back, Cambridge being back. You've got experience. You've got guys that can that can score. Uh, I think Bruce Pearl's team is a top, again, top 20 team. I think they're a fringe sweet 16 caliber team. All of it will depend, Chris, uh, on the chemistry of this group, how quickly they can come together. And that's usually where Bruce Pearl thrives. So if that's where he thrives, then we go, okay, they're going to be pretty darn good again. And I think that's probably what we're going to see. Mississippi State has has uh, Iverson Molinar coming back, and, and they picked up a really good transfer. Uh, what do you think about Brooks Coach Holland? Brooks from North Carolina. Gar- I mean, Garrison I, I Brooks knocking on that door. Let, Chris, let me tell you, I think this team is going to be <laughs> really good. Um, I love this Coach, is, man. This is Ben Howland's type of team. They're going to be in the yeah. tournament. Um, and I think yes, I have sir. them just outside my top 25 at the start of the season. Uh, but again, wouldn't surprise me if they play their way up there because this is a Ben Hallen team that has toughness experience in particular at the guard position. Um, mm-hmm. They have depth. Um, and this is like Ben is at his best. Like, I mean, you go back to some of those UCLA teams and it's easy to fall in love with the Westbrook love teams, right? But the Farmar Aflalo teams, those were grinders of teams, man. They they, they it was grinders. like going to the dentist office every single game. I'm Ben, you know, as UCLA fans, we'd lose our mind because they go on like a 12-0 run and he would call timeout. And I'm like, yeah. why are we stopping our own run? But mm-hmm. it, for him, it was about setting up his defense and and making sure that they they tighten those bolts and that there wasn't that even in their success, they weren't feeling too comfortable or too confident, right? That they sure, got away sure. or deviated from the system. And I think mm-hmm. that this is a team for Ben Howland that has that same kind of makeup. Uh, so and, and and as you look at the trajectory of Ben's programs overall, you know, I think at everywhere he's coached. In year three, whether it was Northern Arizona, whether it was Pitt, whether it was UCLA, everything got better, right? They they, they won the conference championship. The SEC has been a little bit of a different like travel for him and a little bit of a different journey. It hasn't come right. as quick. Um, I, I think it could come this year. I don't think that necessarily they, they win the SEC, but I think being relevant on the scene, uh, being able to then go out and recruit at a higher level and continue to get the kind of players that work for Ben, I think is, is there in front of them. They're certainly a tournament team. I think they're a team that can advance in the tournament. Um, and, and again, a fringe top 25 caliber team for me. And don't forget about Rocket Watts as well. He's, you know, he's dynamic. He dynamic score. Um, conference realignment. Like I want to talk about the big 12 
as a conference, but I also want to talk about, since we're in the middle of talking about the SEC, the fact that Texas and Oklahoma are headed to the SEC. What are are your thoughts about how the the conference conference realignment has affected, is going to affect college basketball? And do you think it's a good idea? And is this the end of traditional geographical, like big time rivalries as we know? No, that that end happened a long time ago, Chris, uh, in my opinion. I mean, this is just... This is the uh, necessary uh, consequences of the failure to keep the Big East intact. I mean, even on the West Coast, you know it, I know it. Man, UConn, Syracuse, we were watching yeah. on Big Monday. You know, Shoot. all day. Big Monday, Super Tuesday. Tor- Georgetown versus Villanova. We were like, Shoot. cannot wait to see this. You know, and, and then realignment came and it destroyed it. It destroyed it. And the, the thing that makes me happy, happier amongst everything else that's happened in the last couple of years is that realignment also came to refixing. And UConn and, and Danny Hurley are in the Big East once again. That's their rightful yeah. home. You know, it's yeah. tough to sell people in stores, Connecticut. They're like, oh, we got Tulane and Tulsa coming in this week. And they're like, <laughs> huh? Like, you know, and then and then when you're trying to recruit, which UConn has always done really well, that geographical footprint all the way down to Philly, yeah. like – you, you can't really recruit that footprint because you're never playing those teams. You're not playing yeah. in that footprint at all. And no so FaceTime. Yeah. That, that's kind of fixed it, right? Like that, the UConn going back fixes it. But all of these moves that have been made in realignment has been to the detriment of college basketball. It has been made for money. It has been made for college football, period. That's it. Otherwise, a lot of these realignments, they wouldn't have happened. West Virginia – now playing in a conference that they're going to have to, you know, play BYU. Like that's a, that's a pretty big landscape that we're looking at for, for a totality of a conference. Um, And that's the future of the big 12. Now I think the big 12 is in good position. I think the the teams that they brought in uh, help them uh, not only in uh, football, but also in basketball. I I think in particular, you look at like Cincinnati, BYU is really good with Mark Pope year in and year out. Uh, I think obviously yeah. Houston coming off their final four run. This is this is going to help them build momentum and be able to recruit. Uh, but I think losing your brands of Oklahoma and Texas, you know, it just means more has been the same for the SEC. It just means more money for the SEC, too. I mean, they are already cashing checks for like upwards of almost $50 million a year because of their television rights, the SEC network and the success that that has had, which I think has shown out in the increased level of successes across their athletic departments. It's not just obviously in football. We focus a lot on that. Uh, but basketball in recent years has gone from a, a you know, three-team at max into the NCAA tournament to now the expectation is 6-7. Could be the very best conference in college basketball this upcoming season. And then on the women's side, they're as dominant as they've ever been. And you see the contract that Don Staley just got, seven, uh, seven years, I think 22.4 uh, was mm-hmm. the contract. Deservedly so did she yeah. get that contract. Yeah. But – that's a contract we have not seen in women's sports. And so I think it elevates the conference even more from that perspective. And they can do that based on the money and the revenue that they're bringing in. Texas and Oklahoma will allow that to even increase that much more. Yeah, that's but just to not have that old school rivalry no more in the Big 12. Well, I, I guess that, that's part the good it. part. That's the one good part about this one is we still have the Red River shootout game for football. Yeah. Like we'll still yeah. see Oklahoma versus Texas at the but Cotton Bowl. SEC. But it's in the SEC landscape uh, versus the Big Twelve. I guess, I guess it's no. I guess it's normal. I'm the old school guy. 
I'm an old school guy. I look, I, I'd yeah. rather keep it the way that it was. I wish the NCAA tournament used to, which used to have regions, West region, you know, Midwest, South, you know, whatever. That was nice. I actually nice. like that. Even though in 97 nice we got screwed and sent to the Midwest region when we won the Pac-12 conference by like four games um, and it won 14 straight games, we should have at least been the two in the West region. We weren't. Uh, and we went to the Midwest. But nevertheless, like I, I love the old format too. So I'm a traditionalist as well. I think times continue to change in college athletics. Uh, and I think that when you look at NIL and the transfer portal and all of those things, Chris, so much of this is changing and evolving. Uh, and there, and while we are losing things, we are also gaining things. We're gaining voices. We're gaining uh, empowerment amongst the athletes, things that, you know, quietly we discussed 20, 30 years ago, however many years ago it was now that we were playing at UCLA. Um you know, gosh, I wish I could do this or I wish I could get that car. Or I wish I could, you know, now these are things that are actually tangible and real uh, for these these student athletes. And I think it's a good thing. And I don't think it's hurting the athletic departments. Anybody that thought that this was like a doomsday scenario in NIL, it's not. The kids are fine. The programs are fine. Let's keep going. So there has been some positives in these change. Uh, there is some negatives there as well, though. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I like, as far as the NIL is concerned, I like what UCLA came out and did. And uh, I guess uh, Germond enlisted their marketing and branding department to work directly with the athletes. So they're going to be allowing the use of logos and UCLA letterhead and stuff. I think that's such, that's one of the biggest developments that I've heard in the NI, in the whole NIL game. But staying on the NIL, um, we look, when you look at the situation that happened when, in Oklahoma, 
where in college football, where Spencer Rattler, he has the big deals, this and that, doesn't play well, they throw in Caleb Johnson, and then Caleb doesn't even get to talk. Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, it doesn't even get to interview after the game. What's what's I mean, is this a case of, you know, the coaches still kind of having this antiquated way, not coming up to speed, or is this just some BS going on in University of Oklahoma? I don't think it's either one, Chris. I think it is a byproduct of be careful what you wish for. Mm. Uh, I, I said this with Derek King, a quarterback from Miami. Now, he's unfortunately injured and out for the rest of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, struggled in game one against Alabama. You get a pass there because why? It's Alabama, Bama. right? Uh, but in game two against App State, he didn't throw a touchdown. He threw for 188 yards against App State, and they had to win on a last-second field goal and won by two. You know, against App State, and you're you're Miami, and you're De'Aaron King, and you're making $800,000 in NILs that have already been announced. You're almost a million-dollar man. Well, guess what? If you want that money, then when I'm covering college sports this year, I'm going to cover you as if I was covering the NBA. Uh, you're making a million oh, really? dollars. So you're, that- basically, you're a pro. So now you open yourself up to more criticism. And I think when you look wow. at Spencer Redler – He's got his his gear, his swag. He's making a million dollars, and everybody's like, "This is our dude, Heisman Trophy candidate. He's the man." And all of a sudden, you slip up. The fans, and this is, I think, what happened in Oklahoma. The fans are less inclined to give you that student athlete pass benefited the doubt. Working their jobs, they're not making a million dollars. They're you know the other students in the student section. They're not making a million dollars. You are. And when you get that kind of money and you get you want this, the expectations then naturally increase. So if you fail to meet what the expectations are and all of a sudden you're at Texas and you're getting the doors blown off and they put in Caleb Williams and he goes in and wins the game. Now, now we start going, Okay, wait, hold on. How much money is this kid making on name, image, and likeness? And then the businesses and the corporations that have invested money into you start going, did we put a performance clause in this? And a lot of them didn't. That will probably change moving forward. But yes. it, this is this is a byproduct right. of name, image, and likeness. There's a lot of positives to name, image, and likeness, and I'm I'm favor I'm in favor of all of it. But when you start announcing how much money you're making, your own brand of clothes, and all this other stuff, Chris, it changes the landscape. It changes how people view you on the outside. And us as broadcasters, I think, have to be cognitive and aware of how right. that has evolved and changed from even a year ago to 20 years ago when we were there. Like, if if you struggled for three games, no one was really – I mean, they might be like, oh, Chris needs to step up. But they weren't, like, badgering you. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if you were making a million dollars at UCLA and you started struggling – you'd start hearing a lot more chatter, especially in an age now that has social media and Instagram. Well, everything that these athletes are doing is brand recognition, brand value. Be careful of what your brand is, because if your brand gets too large in a lot of these cases, and I think we're having, we're going to have an accordion effect here. Name engine like this comes in. People want to get on board. The brands are expanding too quick. Meaning that too. You've got you to realize kind of what your limitations are and how far you want this thing to really go while keeping your focus on what you're doing out on the field or on the court. And, and I think that this a lot of what we're seeing right now is, is a little bit of a backlash to the name, image, and likeness aspect. Great point about how 
college athletes that will be getting paid will be getting covered by the media. I think that's a tremendous point. And I'll be interested to see if like these local papers, the local, you know, college in Norman, Oklahoma, the the Norman, Oklahoma, you know, press telegram. I wonder if there's going to be some articles written with more of a a direct sort of slant against, you know, like they do pros. Cause that's always been the thing. Hey, these kids are college. So take it easy on them. And you know, they're just college kids, but now it's like, wait a minute, these guys are getting paid. So I think the sympathy aspect and the uh, empathy of like, Oh, he's a college kid. That's going to go out the window. This guy's a pro nowadays. So great point about that, but, but we're in the big 12 and I want to know just your, I got you on my show. I want to know who is going to win the conference. You got Texas. I have Texas, Kansas and Baylor who wins the conference. Texas. Texas Why? wins the conference. Why? Uh, because- Baylor's the defending champion. Kansas well, got Remy lost. Martin. How? Okay. How? Uh, Baylor lost everybody. Their guard played. Like they lost Mitchell, Teague, uh, Butler. They're all gone. All right. So I, 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 you, you lose all three of those guys. That's like losing Toby Bailey, Chris Johnson, and J.R. Henderson. Hey, them, guys were those dudes. them guys are cold. Them guys were cold, man. I'll tell you what. I appreciate uh, And then dog. you put in Vital as well. Uh, Mark Vital, who was really their glue guy, and they, 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 yeah. the Swiss Army knife of, of what they right. did. I, I think Texas is going to win it. And while they lost a ton as well, Matt Coleman, Jericho Sims, Kai Jones, Greg Brown, the transfer portal – Nobody benefited more than Chris Beard. So you go in the offseason and, 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 you know, no offense to Shaka Smart, but Chris Beard is ridiculously high-level coach. He really is. And you bring him into Texas. He's now back home where he wants to be. You, you throw in a Christian Bishop from Creighton. You throw in a Devin Askew for Kentucky. You throw in a Trey Mitchell from UMass. You throw in a Timmy Allen from Utah. And then you go out and you get Marcus Carr from Minnesota who's averaged 23 Mm. points a game in the Big Ten. Mm. If Chris Beard can get them to compete the way he wants at the defensive end of the floor, and by the way, you still have Andrew Jones, you still have Courtney Raymond, and you get that defense to work fine, you don't have to worry about offense because all of those guys I just told you about all average like between 12 and 23 points a game last year. So offense isn't going to be the issue. It's can they defend, can they bring that Chris Beard toughness. I haven't seen a team yet at Texas Tech that didn't eventually get there, even if they started off a little slow. And I think Texas could take some losses early because maybe they don't have that toughness right away. But, Chris, I believe that over the course of the season, they're going to get there. I think Texas is Final Four good. Um, I think Kansas is close to being Final Four good. And, again, you saw an uptick in recruiting again for for, uh, Bill Self, where, you know, in the last couple of years, because of the allegations that were surrounding that program, they weren't getting those top 100 kids. Mm -hmm. They got one this year. Uh, And I Mm -hmm. think you add that to the mix of of getting a guy that's as experienced as Remy Martin. You get David McCormick back, your big man. You got Jalen Wilson back. You you got – you know, uh, you got Christian Braun, uh, Brown back. You've got, you got multiple guys back that can really fill out that roster for Bill Self. And at 21-9 and nine a year ago, I don't see any reason why they're not going to be right back in the mix inside the Big 12. Uh, I think Baylor's going to be good. They've got their best recruiting class they've ever had. Um, but I think they just lost so much from a year ago. And I do believe that there's always a championship hangover. I mean, you know it better than I know it. But there is a championship hangover, and when you've climbed that mountaintop, and and I get in this discussion with my ten year old, you know, you think the Bucks are going to win the NBA title again? And I said, no, I don't. And I said, and the reason why I don't think the Bucks will win the championship is not because they're not good enough to win the championship, Chris. You know they are, but it is just really 
really hard to do it in consecutive seasons. It is not, it, it's not even, you can't even say it's not easy. I mean, it's not even like common. It's not a common place to see that happen. And so for Baylor, I do think they take a little bit of a step back in conference play this year. But I think this is a conference of change right now uh, because of Oklahoma and Texas leaving, because of what they have coming in. I'm, you know, Big 12 Media Day just took place yesterday. Uh, and Scott yeah. Drew said, listen, even with Oklahoma and Texas, if we just added in the teams that we had from last year, we still would have been the number, ranked, number one ranked conference in college basketball, according to Ken Palm. And that's true, but that's also based on a Houston team that went all the way to the Final Four. You know, and, yeah. I, and I don't know if Kelvin Sampson's teams are always going to get there. So as this conference changes, as Texas and Oklahoma leave, and Porter Moser obviously now at Oklahoma, got a ton of transfers yeah. in there. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that molds throughout the course of the year. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting as those two teams exit, how this conference tries to pivot – without completely ignoring Texas and Oklahoma until they're actually in the SEC, to Mm -hmm. that of also welcoming in and highlighting and trying to lift up those teams that are coming from the American UCF, Cincinnati, uh, Houston, uh, and then BYU, how they're trying to lift those programs up so that on day one when they come in, they're already at a high level. I think it's going to be very interesting how the, the conference office handles that and handles the promotion yeah. of these teams uh, as the season goes along. I, I don't think we're giving uh, Remy Martin enough credit. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased and I've watched him uh, since he was seventh, eighth grade. I just really I, what I saw out of him at Arizona State. He's a big time gamer type player. I think he goes to the Big 12, put him uh, and surround him with them guys that they got at Kansas. And I think Kansas comes out of the Big 12 as champions. I'm, but ba- and to your point, my about concern the, the with handover, him, my only concern with Remy is his turnovers, Chris. Like, True. He, and that's always it, been that's always been his thing. True. And, and it's not even just the turnovers. It's like the timeliness of some of those turnovers. <laughs> like I, I was doing the game in Shanghai, China, uh, when they played Colorado in 2019 and they had stormed back and they looked like they were about to win the game and they're driving down the floor. I think they had a one point lead and Remy drives down the middle of the paint and decides to throw a behind the back pass to a guy cutting on the right hand side. And it gets picked off, goes down the other end, three-pointer, get a stop on the next possession, go back down another three-pointer, and the game was over. And Colorado got out of there with the win. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to say, hey, there's there's only one play that costs the game, because as you and I both know, that's never the case. Um, But there certainly there are momentum backbreaking plays. Uh, And they're self-inflicted wounds. And so for, I think for Remy, the biggest key for me this upcoming season is the talent level in which he will have around him at Kansas is exceeds the talent level that he had around him at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Is he capable and willing to defer under control? I know he's willing to defer, but is he willing to defer under control and composure that's necessary of a player that has the experience that he has, the skill set that he has uh, in the environment that he's now going to be playing in? Because as you know, Alan Fieldhouse, is one of the most spectacular venues, if not the most spectacular venue in all of college basketball. That now becomes his home court, handling that, handling it under the microscope with the expectations. And again, I think Kansas is Final Four good. I think there's two teams in the Big 12 that can make it, make a run for a national championship this year. It's Texas and it's Kansas. I agree. And I, I mean, I won't count Baylor out to your point about the, the cha- national championship hangover. Absolutely. It does exist. But I think when you look at a team, 
that's down there in Waco concerning this iteration of that team and that program and how Scott Drew has his guys locked in and that culture down there, I wouldn't be surprised to see them guys with Kenjo and Meyer and all that make it back to the Final Four. I'm just saying. I was so thoroughly blown away, impressed by Baylor last year. I don't know if I'd ever seen dudes out there that were not only guarding, but just helping and recovering slides, the defensive ridiculousness and their athleticism. And then just, they're just gangster. They were just so gangster on the boards, on the glass. I would put it here like lane. this. And you know this watching your dad broadcast, uh, Marcus, uh, a legend uh, in so many different ways, but his broadcast uh, with, the, with the Bucks. What Scott Drew, and this is the best thing I can say, is they're running NBA rotations on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. With a college enthusiasm and a football level of toughness. That's, That's what Baylor point. was at the defensive end of the floor last year. And that is such a rare, rare thing to find. If they can if they can stir that pot and bring it back this year, then yeah, they can get there. But I, I until I see it, Chris, I'm I'm gonna be able, I'm yeah. gonna wait and see how they look. But last year's team was NBA rotations with a college mm-hmm. enthusiasm and a football toughness. And that, absolutely, that was unbelievable. I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple more conferences, the Big Ten and the ACC, and just a couple more teams. Uh, Big Ten is looking good this year. Pretty uh, a decently deep conference, Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana. Of those, you know, four or five teams, who do you think is the Big Ten champion that comes out this season? Purdue. Purdue is the best team in the conference. Uh, because because they uh, got everybody back, they got everybody back. Um, and I think Zach Eady is going to have a tremendous year. I think uh, Coach Painter might even go to that double big lineup with him and Travion Williams. Uh, and you mm-hmm. go the double big, but Zach Eady, for those of you who don't know, seven foot four last year, he got fouls just by posting up because guys ran into his elbow and they're like, No, it's contact mm-hmm. to the head, that's a foul. And he's like, So they, they had to teach him how to post up, he had to literally post up like this. And with I'm his like, elbows tucked. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, what yes, are we that's doing? What you know, and internationally, he got a uh, great experience this year in the FIBA 19 over in Latvia. He, he averaged about 16 points and 15 rebounds per game. Uh, I think that confidence in being a go-to guy for, uh, for in that uh, with Latvia, I think is, is going to bode well for him in expanding out his game this year. And I think Matt Painter has just consistently been that coach inside the big 10 that Every year we don't talk about them. And then we look and they're like, wait, they're 13 and six. Like they were 13 and six last year in the Big Ten that had almost every team ranked at least at one point in time during the course of the season. And for majority of the year, they had so many teams in the poll. It's all we were talking about at ESPN. We never talked about Purdue. And they had a better record than half the teams that we were talking about inside conference play. And they were beating them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that I think they're right there. I think what Jawan Howard is doing at Michigan um, it is just amazing. And the fact that people continually come back and want him to coach at the next level, and he continues to just turn away those offers because he's happy with where he's at at Michigan, I think bodes really, really well for them. Caleb Houston is going to be absolutely phenomenal. He's a top five pick, I think, in next year's NBA draft. He's the freshman. Uh, you put him with Hunter Dickinson, who's back, uh, Eli Brooks. Yes, you have to worry about replacing uh, whether it's Mike Smith and just the steady hand that he had or Franz Wagner uh, and the versatility that he showed in the athleticism that he played with, or even Isaiah livers. I mean, th- those are, those are guys now that, that are not easily replaceable, but I think right. with the recruiting uh, that he has done at Michigan, the culture that he has built up at Michigan, uh, I, I really truly believe 
that the Wolverines are going to be right there. I think Purdue and, and Michigan are the two top teams in that conference. And I think Indiana under Coach Woodson, again, another another alum coming home to his program. Um, and I think following in the same likeness of what we've seen from Jawan Howard being an NBA guy, I think is really going to help uh, Trace Jackson Davis, who I think is one of the best players in college basketball. And I think the one thing I've, I've been concerned about at times with Trace has been his inability to have his motor running at all times. Like he kind mm. of picks and chooses his spots. His there's spots, certain games right. where you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's an All-American. And then there's other games yeah, you're watching and you're change. like, did, did he get out of bed today? I think you know? Woody would get that out of him. I think yes, Woody would get his motor sure. going a little bit. For and sure. Woody's done a great – he's done a great job too. I think he signed a couple of guys, added to that – to what's going on over there. Um, what about Illinois with with um, Coburn and uh, Carbello and Brad Underwood? Do, uh, yeah, Coburn I, you coming know, back. Do you think they have a shot or – They do because Coburn's going to be the best big man in, in the country. I mean, at least the most physically dominating presence in, in college basketball. Yeah, he may not end yeah. up being the best big man in the country, but he has the most physically dominating big in the country. Yeah. Uh, Carbello's got to get a little bit smoother with the basketball, and he's got to be able to shoot the ball. He, he really struggled from beyond the arc last year. Um, I think Adam Miller leaving and transferring out uh, hurts them a little bit uh, because I think his his role would have improved this year. But mm-hmm. it, it, Brad Underwood is is one of those coaches that's really fiery, and sometimes we we misconstrue like a fiery coach and go, oh, like he's mean, like oh, he's t- he's <laughs> tough on his guys, like yeah, he's not really overly tough on his guys. Um, I, I think. He, he just demands. And, and I think accountability is one thing that you cannot lack. Like I have Illinois on my preseason poll uh, at number 16 in the country. So they lose Adam Miller that goes to LSU. So, I mean, Adam Miller is going through a complete culture change of like defending and toughness at Illinois to Will Wade, just like, shoot it up, my man, shoot it up. Um, but Io DeSumo uh, is going to be a huge loss. Io made so many great plays. So how do you make up for the loss of Io DeSumo. Well, one, you get a transfer like Alfonso Plummer from Utah, um, a streaky shooter, as we've seen, but a guy that when he came into Poly Pavilion in the first five minutes of that game last year, you thought he was going to go for 100 uh, because yeah. he just knocked down everything. You got a couple of top, top 100 recruits uh, in Melendez and Goody. Uh, and so I think that there's, there's pieces around him. But for me, it's starting from the inside out. Kofi Coburn uh, and the level of frustration I think we saw in the NCAA tournament in particular when he didn't get the ball in a couple of possessions in their loss, uh, he yeah. was so mad that there's two things that need Too to happen. Mad. One is Illinois does have to play inside out. They need to feed him as often as they can to keep him engaged in the game. Two mm-hmm. is that he has to better control his emotions and find ways to manufacture points at times. So if they're not Bottles. getting you the ball, instead of standing up and being frustrated and just going to the other yeah. end – Go grab an offensive rebound and dunk it on someone's head and then turn around at your teammates and be like, feed me, you know, Uh, find a more positive way of doing that. And I think that that's part of the maturation process for him. And I think that he will get there and he will do it. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. the X factor on this team is Trent Frazier. I think Trent Mm Frazier is a guy that we don't talk a lot about, but when he plays well, Illinois finds success. And he's Mm -hmm. been through the ringer now a couple of times. He knows what the expectation level is. I think he's going to be really, really good. And I tell you, another team inside the Big Ten to think about, Chris, is Maryland. I think Turge has got a really good team. Uh, Ayala's back. Uh, Scott is back. Uh, they got six transfers, including Fats Russell that came in from Rhode Island. We know he can score the ball. Uh, they got Turgeon the other big Turner. from Georgetown. 
that just came in that played for Patrick Ewing. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. think that this is a team in Maryland that could be a top four finisher inside the Big Ten this year. Uh, and they add Danny. By the way, they also add Danny Manning to the assistant coaching staff. Uh, formerly the head coach of Wake Forest was my colleague last year at ESPN, but he does great work with bigs. And I, and I think that's really going to help out the Maryland Terrapins this year. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A quick aside about uh, college coaches coming and going with NBA experience. We saw two coaches leave, Jason Hart from USC. Kenny Payne left Kentucky over a year ago. Do you think those type of losses, and you speak to Danny Manning's addition, you think those losses affect the program as much as an addition could affect the program? For sure. I think Jay Hart, you know him as well as as anybody, Chris. I mean, we've we've known Jason for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a tremendous recruiter. I mean, really a mm-hmm. tremendous recruiter. But besides that, he's a tremendous coach. Um, yeah. and, and I think this is a problem in our game. I'm going to take this to a different a different level if, this, if you're okay with it. Um, of course. I'm tired of black assistant coaches being named great recruiters. I'm tired of it. I see it. And, well, he's a recruiter. He's a recruiter. He's a recruiter. Let me ask you this, media members or fan bases that label people recruiters. How many practices do you go to? Mm. How many practices do you go to? Have you ever sat down and talked to X's and O's with any of them? Or do you just look at them like, oh, they're just recruiters. They're just recruiters because we like to put people in boxes. Unfortunately, that's what our society has done. Correct? And Jason Hart should have been a head coach at the Division I level five years ago, in my opinion. Five years ago, should have been a head coach at the Division I level. Think he was ready? You thought he was ready five years ago? There's multiple – Chris, there's been multiple jobs in the West Coast Conference that have come available, and Jason Hart is here in L.A., 
with great recruiting ties to everybody, just because you have great recruiting ties. But what, what does it take to be a great recruiter? You know, people used to say Lav was a great recruiter. Lav was a great recruiter. What made Lav a great recruiter is the same thing that makes Jason Hart a great recruiter, which is the same thing that makes a lot of great recruiters great recruiters. They know how to communicate. They build relationships. They earn the player's trust. What makes a great head coach, Chris? Somebody that you can trust. Somebody that you Absolutely. believe in. You know, um, when I look at yep. it, and, and I say this all the time, like I have this quote, we can have, I can have the best offense in the world on paper. But if my players don't believe in me, and they don't trust me, and they don't go out and execute it the way that I need it to be executed, we will never be successful. Yeah. I can have the simplest offense on paper. That's like the most basic, like sixth grade quality offense. But they believe, I, they trust you. Trust me. And they run it oh, like gosh. every single time to perfection with all effort. We're going to find way more shots and we are yeah. that are going to be good shots. And we are going to win more games than we're going to win if I changed it up and they didn't have any trust or any belief in me. Everything mm-hmm. in life is about relationships. Everything in life is about trust. You and I have yes, a relationship. Yeah. And while we don't see each other often, Chris, you know mm-hmm. as much as anybody that if you needed something – I'm a phone call away and I'm there. If Matt Barnes needs me for anything, I'm there. When we had the, uh, the Ahmad Aubrey run, how many of our teammates showed up and partook in that event to support Matt for an unbelievably great cause, right? One that we needed to draw more attention to. Yeah. There was, uh, I mean, there, was, there were guys that didn't even play That's, with us that were showing up. Yeah. You know, Jelani. My son's making videos for Jelani because he's looking back at old footage, laughing at some of the media questions that they had. And, and Lonnie's just dunking on people, you know, and he put the curb your enthusiasm thing over the top of it. You know? I saw that. I but saw that the, with the hat. That's the relationship we have, right? That's, yes, that's the yes. relationship that we have. And relationships is the quintessential aspect of society and our community. And when we have a failure in community, and this goes beyond sports, when we have a failure in community, it's because we are no longer either willing to have genuine conversation, authentic conversation, or we're unwilling to listen. And the disconnect happens from our leaders, from ourselves, from our social activists, from our teachers, from our coaches, it does from the police, it doesn't matter. It can go in all aspects. When communication and the relationship is broken down, you cannot find success. And to bring it full circle back to Jason Hart, my belief fervently in Jason Hart is I think he's going to do a great job in the league. I don't think we're ever going to see him in college basketball again. I think eventually he's going to be on someone else's staff at the, at the next level and then eventually become a head coach maybe in, in the NBA. I think Miles Simon is another guy that I thought for the last couple of years should have been more in line to get a college job. I think our guy, mm-hmm. uh, Earl Watson, uh, clearly could be an excellent college basketball coach. And I know obviously UCLA was in the picture for him for a while, and all of us that were former mm-hmm. alumni would have loved to see him have the opportunity to take that job. But there have certainly been other jobs that have opened up in the college landscape where Earl would have gone in and crushed it. Um, and I think that we need to continue to evolve in the conversation and in the dialogue of why do we put boxes on people? Why do, we, why do we limit what people can do because they're really good at one aspect? Because you're really good at one aspect of your job doesn't mean you can't do another aspect of your job. Um, and I see that too frequently happen, happening across the college landscape. I'm really happy for a guy like Stan Johnson to get the job at LMU. 
I think he's doing great things with that program. I think they're going to be a lot better in the WCC this year. Uh, but he's a guy that was an assistant coach that was seen as a recruiter for a long period of time, that now you're seeing him in the head coaching role and he's thriving in the relationship and the building and the changing of a culture of a program that really has been non-existence since the passing of Hank Gathers. No, he's done an amazing job. And I think a lot of it, Sean, is uh, just old ways of doing things. So putting people in boxes are based in stereotypes. And so now the stereotype of maybe a black assistant coach is, you know, he's not necessarily the sharpest guy with X's and O's, but he can go into the homes, talk to the black mom, the black father, build that relationship, make it easy and cool for the white head coach to come in, et cetera. And so a lot a lot of it, I won't say true, but uh, that role had to be played for a long time by a lot of coaches back in the seven black coaches in the 70s and 80s where you couldn't necessarily get the respect as a X's and O's guy. So you had they had to create that niche of being a recruiter. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah, and, it's, it, it's, it, and but, we are breaking out of it. We are breaking out yeah. of it, Chris. It's not like we're still yeah. stuck in the 70s. And look, I equate it to the similar thing of being a black quarterback. Right. I mean, there were like the Doug Williams of the world, the Randall Cunningham's, the Warren Moons of the world. It happened. But look at the NFL now. Look at LeVar Jackson. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Look across the landscape and say Kyler Murray and how he's turned Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, everything up on its end. And I think Trey Lance is going to be great for our Niners, too. Um, you yeah. know, so I mean, I, I, I it, it, Russell Wilson obviously has been unbelievably yeah. great. So the list goes on and on. But now it's it, that that has been that ceiling has been broken, and people now understand that those old way of thinking we've we've got to evolve and we've got to change. And I think Absolutely. we're getting there in college basketball. I think we still need to do more in that regard. And I think Jason to me is just one of those guys, uh, as is a Miles Simon, who I think would have loved to come back to the college game. Uh, I thought. They were no-brainer hires the last couple of years, uh, and and for whatever reason, one reason or another, uh, they weren't given that opportunity. And I, I think that the NBA will benefit from it, and the college game will hurt from it. But I do think that the Jawan Howards of the world and the Mike Woodsons of the world uh, that are coming into the game help the college game as well. Uh, and I think the college game needs to become more forward-thinking. You know, it's not, okay, uh, one, four high or flex offense or just basic motion. Like, I, I will tell you, I spent most of COVID sitting in a hotel room in Bristol, Connecticut, when I was able to travel. And I would jump on and I'd watch, as I mentioned earlier, the European basketball and their offense and the way they run and the spacing and the innovation that I see in the European game and even, even in the Russian professional leagues far out exceeds what we see even in the NBA level here. I think the NBA is getting closer and closer to it. Um, because they need to, and they have the talent that can do it. But I think what made Gonzaga so elite last year was that they didn't run an offense that we see. They they ran an offense off of Reed, making Reed and reacting to what the defense was giving and making yeah. cuts that were not scripted. You know, and and yeah. I and, and I and I equate it to like uh, you know the other night Cole Ble Beasley from the the Bills and the Monday night game against the Titans. It was a big play. And the Titans went to a zone coverage. And had Cole Beasley ran his entire route, he would have ran into the next defensive player and it would have been a problem for Josh Allen. Instead, he sat in the gap because there was a hole and he knew his, he trusted his quarterback would find him. And I think a lot of times in college basketball, we run from point A to point B yeah. because that's what the mm -hmm. offense tells us to do. Meanwhile, there's a gap. And if you settle in that gap just for a second, you might have a dunk. 
And, and it might be the best play, the best shot you're going to find in that entire possession. I think the European basketball leagues do that better than us. Um, and it's more free-flowing. And to steal Steve Lavin line, it's like a ballet, Fred Astaire, you know, uh, nimble on their toes, just reading. Bing Crosby. Yeah. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. The, the European – I was always fascinated when I, when I played overseas. I played in the Russian League and how many points they'd score, but how – much movement was involved, how much misdirection was involved, how much double action or, you know, there's all this action going on. Like we'd run, we'd run, there'd be strong side pick, pick and roll, and then weak side action going on simultaneously where we had to worry about guarding. So nobody could just stay and help. And you got movement, movement, cut, Spain action, all type of stuff that's like, it's, it's almost like mind boggling. But when you sit down and you watch it, you're like, why? Yeah, let me break out of my traditional ways of thinking and drawing up plays and actually have some ingenuity here and some creativity and do some different type things. And, and I think we see a lot of that going on on the European game. Hopefully that gets more into American offenses because, it's, you know, it's sprinkling. I think it's sprinkling. It's sprinkling. And the good guys add little touches of it. Um, Coach K, yep. one of the, you know, arguably the, the greatest one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. It's his last season, although we're not supposed to call it his last season. According to Coach K, he said, don't use the L word in describing this year. Uh, John Shire taking over. He's got some big time recruits, got a, a solid team. Talk about what you envision Duke looking like in, in this is Coach K's swan song in the ACC. Let me just tell you, I mean, look, Chris, you and I were both uh, there. I believe it was Coach Wooden's final coaches clinic, and it was Jim Herrick's final season at UCLA. It was November of 1996, I believe it was the final coaching clinic that, that John Wooden did at UCLA. And I still look back on that and goes, he, we, we participated as a team, right? There's all the coaches, and we participated in the team. And Coach Wooden ran us through basically essentially what a practice was. Um, yeah. It, you know, and it was an amazing experience to to have coach talk basketball to us, teach us the game. In all my years of broadcasting, uh, I would say that Coach K is the closest thing I've seen to John Wooden in that regard. Uh, just an wow. excellent coach and teacher of it. And to me, I think it's going to mean so much to the game of college basketball to have him continue to uh, be there this year. We can celebrate him. We can celebrate all that he has brought to the game, the number of players and lives that he has touched. Uh, but most importantly for the college basketball game, I, I, I hope that Duke has the type of season uh, that is worthy of being a final season for Coach K. I think last year really wore on a lot of coaches. As I mentioned earlier, I had a ton of coaches tell me that, hey, it is tough to go through that process that they went through last year. Uh, but I believe uh, that this Duke team is going to be really strong. I think when you look going forward for the Duke program, I think John yeah. Shire has a very difficult task ahead of him. Uh, recruiting initially will be high because it's Duke, but then it's going to become not Coach K's program anymore. It's going to be his program, and his level of success will determine whether or not they can continue to recruit at the level in which we've seen Duke do. Here's my question. OK, so I've heard that I've heard that whole thing about the transition between Shire and Coach K. And it made me think about when John Wooden won 10 in, in 12 years, then retires in 75. And then Gene Bartow takes over. He goes like 50 and eight, gets fired. And then Larry Farmer comes in and then Larry Brown comes in. And then we go through this whole thing of coaching turnarounds. Nothing is ever good enough. 
even 95, when we win a national championship, get back to the mountaintop, Coach Harry gets fired two years later or the year after. You know, we we got rid of a national championship winning coach, literally. <laughs> Sandbags, uh, literally the next year, okay? I'm, I'm not sold on the fact that Duke's going to struggle. There has to be some hangover. There'll be a hangover. This but the brand era. is too big nowadays. The brand is too big. Uh, but John John will have to come in and have some success. He doesn't need to be at a national championship level of success right away. But is the program going to be stabilized and continue to have success? Are they going to be in the hunt in the ACC? You know, Tony Bennett uh, and, and, and Leonard Hamilton have changed the landscape of Absolutely. the ACC. Uh, they have. They win. More, the, every year we start off and go, hey, Duke, North Carolina. Yeah, Hubert Davis. All right. He's taking over for Roy Williams. How's that going to go? You know, and we're like, all right, now John Shire is going to take over for Duke. So it's a, it's a big change with two traditional powers that are not just traditional powers in the ACC, but traditional powers in college basketball. And then couple that with the fact that realistically, Virginia and Florida State have won more conference championships than either one of those two schools in recent years. Um, I, I think to me – that's what that's what I would be concerned about long term. Does it open up the door of opportunity? Because especially for a coach like Leonard Hamilton, by the way, who Devin right. Vassell, uh, Patrick Williams, Scotty Barnes. I mean, year in and year out, he's getting top five people um, to to yeah. play and and have the success that they're having. They're not even Virginia. starting. They're not even no, starting at Florida State either. <laughs> they're the and they're fine with it. But that's the connectivity. Yeah. Leonard Hamilton is one of the great teachers that we have in the game. He's one of the great yeah. teachers that we have in the game. And he is maybe the most disrespected head coach in the country. Nobody ever talks about him as being one of the best coaches in college basketball. He is one of the best coaches in college basketball, period. Look at the resume, folks. Read the resume. Look at what he's accomplished. He's amazing. The, Farnham, I played him as a senior. He was coached at the University of Miami in the tournament. I don't know if you remember that, but we uh, we beat him, but I played my worst game. And then my dad told me he used to be at Kentucky back in the day with Joe B. Hall. I don't know if people know that either, but Leonard Hamilton got his start at the University of Kentucky. So he's got the pedigree. It's crazy how disrespected he is, but the team in the ACC that I want to see, I think it's got Buddy Bayheim and, and the Orangemen. I'm curious to see how they perform this season. I love Buddy. I love what he's able to bring to that team. Um, North Carolina, Hubert Davis is going to be really interesting as far as how that's going to look. He's come out and said a few things. And so I, I don't know about well, North And then Carolina. you have the uncertainty of really what's going on with Chris Mack and the whole Dino Gaudio situation. That's the, rough. That's like a rough situation it's, out it's, there. It's not a great situation um, to, to have distractions. And, and we know distractions, Chris. Like distractions yeah. are never good for a program. They're never good for a no, program. No, they're not. And no, it's um, hard to win that way. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think when you look at the ACC this year, I think, you know, we're, we're at a tipping point really in that conference with Kay stepping, you know, stepping away after the end of this year and Roy Williams just stepping down uh, in the spring of last year. Um, and then the fact that th- the question does have to be asked, how many more seasons will Jim Beheim go? Yeah. I, I don't think that Coach Beheim will be the guy that announces before the year starts that he's leaving. I think he'll be one of those guys the season ends and he'll hold a press conference and be like, hey, you know what? This has been a great run. I'm out. Um, <laughs> I'll see you and, guys later. 
Yeah, I'm out and you will never see me again. Um, and I, I think that that could be what he ends up doing eventually. But it means that the ACC has a lot of turnover in legendary coaches, iconic coaches, coaches that have meant so much to the game for such a long period of time. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Syracuse the NCAA tournament team. I think they're a round of 32, potentially, you know, depending upon matchups, obviously after that, you could maybe make a Sweet 16, but certainly a round of 32 type of team this year. Uh, I think that Florida State, again, we'll, we will not talk about them in the non-conference. We will not talk mm-hmm. about them in the preseason poll. And then at the right. end of the season, we'll be like, wow, Florida State is mm-hmm. up by a half a game going into the final weekend of ACC play. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. the way it's going to be. I think Virginia is going to be better this year. I think Kihei Clark, another kid from Southern California that's had a, a tremendous career at Virginia. Mm-hmm. He like it's, it's funny because – you look at Virginia's program, it's been built on Southern California guards. Uh, Kihei Clark, obviously the latest, uh, but really Virginia got bounced in their step and going with London Parentes. And London Parentes, a kid that played at Crespi High School in Southern California. Yes, yes, I coached yes, on the club London. circuit for the pump and run teams back in the day. Uh, but Me too. He, he went out there and I, I think that he, you know, he really changed the kind of like the idea of Virginia became cool. And Tony Bennett's kind of a cool coach, even though he runs this weird system that really limits the number of shots. And, you know, they they really control the offense and they slow it down and they ask you to play pack line defense. And people don't even know what pack line defense is, but they're scared of it anyways. Uh, (laughs) And and but yet they're still cool and they're getting top 100 recruits. And I think he's Mm -hmm. going to. So I think as we evolve here and we see the moving on of some of the legendary coaches that have, have ruled the college basketball landscape for the better part of 30 and 40 years i think we're going to start looking at who are the next coaches that are going to become the iconic faces you know even a guy like Izzo, who's been around the game as long as he has you know i'm not saying that he's going to retire anytime soon but you know we need young coaches to start coming in and being those guys and i think guys like mark few even though he's been around for 20 years he's in that he's in that likeness um, I, I think that you look at a guy like Tony Bennett. I think Tony Bennett is going to be one of those coaches that is is coming in that likeness. I think if we can keep the NBA away from Jawan Howard, Jawan Howard easily becomes part of that that new kind of coach that we're looking at and going like, hey, wait, hold on. Chris Beard, as I mentioned earlier, I think he deserves to be in that conversation right now as becoming the new Scott Drew? Scott Drew Scott as Drew? well. There's a lot of coaches – we as a television entity, we as ESPN, we as Fox Sports, we as CBS Sports, we as, you know, whatever stadium, uh, whatever you're yeah. calling your games on, wherever you watch your college sports, we yeah. need to start shifting our focus away. And this is not in a disrespectful manner, but we need to start elevating up some of the younger coaches as much as we do uh, the iconic coaches, because we cannot lose those iconic coaches and all of a sudden lose our identity of a, as a sport. No, and it, we're getting to that point. Jay Wright, another um, one of those young guys too. I mean, like younger coaches, but he is—he's no. clearly a face of our sport, and will continue to be a face of our sport just because he looks yeah, like George Hall- Clooney in great in a suit. A basketball Hall of Famer, Jay Wright. Uh, yes. Get it? Don't get it? Don't get it twisted. Okay, he's amazing. Uh, no, but but no, but you're right, Sean. It, we are at that point in life where you know we're ushering in. We see it every in all facets of American life and generations where the old out with the old, in with the new. And so now you have a lot of young coaches that are set up right now to sort of ascend to that throne that is being vacated by the Bay Hobbs, by Roy Williams, by Coach K. Those are some pretty big titans. And eventually John Calipari at Kentucky as well. 
and it's just crazy. It, it's crazy to think that we're going to get to that point. And, but who do you so and, and staying on coaches because I wanted to get your take, and then I have one more question for you after that. There's been a lot of coaching turnover, 50, over 50 new hires this year. What do you think is the most impactful coaching hire? Maybe one or two, if you have a couple, uh, in the in college basketball. I, I would say Chris Beard at Texas is the most impactful. Uh, he's going to okay. do for Texas basketball what everybody hopes Steve Sarkeesian can do for uh, their football program. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because you've got a brand new facility coming online uh, that, that Shaka had done a tremendous job uh, fundraising and, and mm-hmm. creating the buzz enough in basketball that they actually cared about basketball at Texas. But I think mm-hmm. that Chris Beard is by far set up to have a run that is Bill Self-like inside the Big 12. I think he can be that mm-hmm. dominant and that good. Um, and I think he's going to make it cool to be a Texas Longhorn basketball player. I think he's going to put guys in the league as he already has when he was at Texas Tech. I mean, he went to Lubbock. Lubbock, Chris. I don't know if you've ever been to Lubbock. I have. I have. I have. But he took Texas Tech basketball and took them to a Final Four. Like, that is... A final game, right? They were in the final game, right? It's yeah. incredible. Unbelievable. So, to me, I look at that and I go... Yeah, he's he's the guy. Like I, I think he's yeah. the guy. I think he's the okay. guy that's going to be able to get it done. I think the other one that's going to surprise people we talked about is Tommy Lloyd. I think Tommy Lloyd is going to be outstanding. I think Arizona is going. It may not happen right away, meaning this year. But look, within forty eight hours of him taking the job, he got the best big man in all of the state of Arizona to commit. In forty eight hours of taking the job, he will be fine. He will continue. He will recruit at a high level. He will use the transfer market uh, as they did. By the way, I think he was a very he was a very big part of the transfer portal uh, before the transfer portal was the transfer portal at Gonzaga. And you look at the guys that transferred into Gonzaga, whether it was a Nigel Williams Goss, whether it was a uh, Jonathan Williams, you know, the third from Missouri. Uh, ballers, they con- ballers. They continually got guys that not only came in and played, but that fit their system. Andrew Nemhard from Florida. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, yes. how important was his role down the stretch last year? Um, and, mm-hmm. and even that game against West Virginia when Jalen Suggs went out with an injury. Um, and mm-hmm. then he's also a great international recruiter. He's a great domestic recruiter. He's, he, he, and I think he's going to play a very friendly offensive style. And I think when, to me, to have a great coaching hire, it needs to be a perfect marriage, Chris. It needs to have mm-hmm. the facilities, the fan support, the conference, and then you need to be the right person for that job. And Tommy Lloyd is the right person at Arizona. I think when you look at the tradition of that program, it is it is always – the Pac-12 is always at its best when Arizona and UCLA are at its best. Yes. And that's no disrespect to Oregon. Oregon has entered the fray because Dana Altman is that good of a coach. But historically speaking, when Arizona's great and UCLA is great, everybody else gets lifted up in the conference. And I think Arizona will be back there within three years. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, uh, For me, I'll be interested to see uh, how Kevin Kruger does out at UNLV. Um, he's got his dad. He brought his dad on staff. You know, Bryce Hamilton's coming back. He's been a part of that. I, you know, talk to him, Sean. Talk to yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, his dad, uh, you know, he will be around the athletic department a ton. But he, he, his dad made sure that he had the right assistance around him to support him in his early stages, uh, his infancy of being a head coach. And I think that the big thing for a younger head coach is to know your deficiencies. Like sometimes you're so insecure because you don't want your deficiencies to be discovered that you hire people that that basically allow those deficiencies to continue. And then that that permeates right. through the program and it becomes a problem with success. You need to have people that are not yes men that are willing to stand up and say in meetings, not maybe in front of the team, but in meetings, no, 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 Kevin, you don't, no, no, that's not how this is. Let me tell you how. Accountability. Trust me, this mm-hmm. is how it's done. Let me show you. And then actually yeah. show like footage or tangible effort, things from the past that show how it works. And then, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Now I can go do this. I think Kevin's going to be great. I think when you look at UNLV, the goal for UNLV is to catch San Diego State because Brian Dutcher has right. been unbelievable. Uh, they 53 right. and seven in the last two seasons. Um, so Best I think for UNLV, it's it's always been they've always had talent. They've always had they've had one and done guys in recent years under Dave Rice. They they got Steven Zimmerman, who was a one and done guy. Maybe shouldn't have been, but he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go get talent to want to play at the Thomas and Mac. You can get talent, especially NIL now. All those kids got Finley Toyotas. That's a new deal that they got. So every player on the team got <laughs> a Finley sick. Toyota. It's good for them. Yeah, that's sick. That's go see, sick. go see my guy Ed. He'll take care of you. Um, but you know, uh, I I think that uh, I think when you think about UNLV, the, the upside is there, and Kevin will be interesting there. I think Porter Moser is also a very interesting hire at Oklahoma. You're talking about a guy, um, and I, t- I I talked to to Porter at the Coaches versus Cancer event I I do in Vegas for Long Kruger, and when I when I had my conversation with him, I said, hey, um. 
you know, why'd you make the move? And he goes, I think it's so hard to be Gonzaga today. Like if Mark Few was just starting out, I don't think Mark Few could be Gonzaga, what Gonzaga is now, starting Gonzaga in this climate that we live in in college basketball. It would be too mm-hmm. difficult to do. But because he mm-hmm. had a 20 year head start on all these dramatic changes that we're seeing, they're basically the Duke of the West Coast right now. They're a small school. They're in a little, obviously, they're in a small conference, not the ACC, but the brand has become so big that they can recruit the number one overall prospect in the country, Chet Holmgren, big Chet, to go there versus having him go to a Kansas, a Kentucky, a Duke, a Carolina, uh, because it's an established brand. I think for Loyola Chicago, it was going to be really hard for Porter to sustain that with conference affiliation, um, with the landscape changing the way that it was. Now he goes to Oklahoma. Can he get Oklahoma to a Final Four? So now you have this change from Lon Kruger, who is a Hall of Fame coach, unbelievable winner everywhere he's gone, to Porter Moser, who's who's already established himself as one of the better young coaches in the country uh, at the head coaching level. And now you're taking over an Oklahoma program that, by the way, is also going to be leaving the Big 12 and joining the SEC. So now your recruiting landscape and the geographical footprint that you can go recruit after has also changed in a very short period of time. A lot of changing parts. Can he weather that storm of the changing parts and establish who he is with his identity that he had at Loyola Chicago with better players? Because if he can, I mean, it's going to be really, really good for him as well. Yeah, and those games, got- think about what we're talking about here, too. So now we're yeah. talking about an SEC that would have Chris Beard, Porter Moser, John Calipari, Bruce Pearl, Ben Howland, uh, Eric Musselman, uh, uh, Steve, uh, Frank Martin, by the way, that also took South Carolina to a Final Four. I mean, that conference, Mike White, that conference is stacked. Kermit Davis, mm-hmm. I mean, it is stacked with guys that can just flat out coach. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that's going to be – Incredible when it all comes together for what that basketball league is going to look like. Absolutely. You you talked about uh, your uh, coaches versus cancer, your involvement with coaches versus cancer. I'd like to hear about uh, why that's such an important uh, thing for you and um, just talk about your involvement with that organization. Yeah. So, Chris, my father-in-law passed away in 2018 of cancer uh, and he had fought for 14 years. And he was given six years to live when he when he found out that he had cancer. And, he, and instead of just waving the white flag and saying, hey, you know what? Six years. OK, fine, whatever. He fought every day for his grandchildren. He just wanted to see more, spend more time with his grandchildren. So he signed up for every single trial that was out there. He ended up going through seven different trials uh, of medical advancement. And he helped fill out notebooks worth of like, okay, this worked, this didn't work, this worked, this didn't work. And there were some things that worked really well and they, they gave him great quality of life for a year, a year and a half. And then all of a sudden the cancer would come back and we'd have to go to another trial or whatever it was um, until he passed away in November of 2018. And as I was going through this process, I met Lon Kruger in Las Vegas at, uh, at an event that his, his team was playing in at, at the MGM Grand. And I met this guy by the name of DJ Allen who runs Lon Kruger's event in Las Vegas for Coaches versus Cancer, goes, hey, I'd love to have you become part of this thing. And I've been now part of it for seven years. Uh, I host the event with JT The Brick, who does a great job on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Um, mm-hmm. And he and I have hosted the event for seven years. It, it, it raises over a million dollars a year every single year. I think this year we did 1.5 even in a, coming out of the pandemic, which was incredible. Um, and it, it's golf, and it's a lot of coaches, and it's – 
it's fighting cancer. And the reason why, and, and I did the Tennessee one this year too, uh, which our goal was 465,000 and we raised 500,000. And I, I did a panel yesterday with the Aspen's uh, society uh, talking about health and why it's important and how disproportionately it affects cancer affects different parts of society. And, and some of the things that systemically we have done in our, in our cities uh, that actually promote cancer to happen adversely in more uh, uh, lower, lower income areas, uh, minority areas, Chris, uh, at a much higher rate than what we see in other areas, but it, it affects all of us. It's not, this isn't a race issue. It's, it's a, it's a humanity issue. Um, yeah. And I don't know anybody that hasn't had anybody that's been affected by cancer. Uh, anybody that hasn't lost a friend, a loved one, a colleague at work, uh, you know, and, and during COVID-19 part of one of the things that maybe upset me the most. And, and I, I get COVID is real. I'm vaxxed. Like I'm not saying COVID's not real. But what didn't happen last year was the talking that 1.9 million people in America was going to be told that they had cancer for the very first time. 1.9 million. You have cancer. And you're hearing that for the first time. What we are not talking about is because we shut down some of the hospitals and some of the procedures that could go on, that early detection, Chris, is gone in a lot of areas. And so people missed appointments. They missed the opportunity to go in and get their scans. So now all of a sudden, a cancer that would have been very treatable now they're picking up and they're going to be in, you know, stage four, stage three, Jesus. and the fight is going to be God. that much harder. There's an estimated 700,000 Americans that will die this year to cancer, 700,000. And that number is likely to increase over the next two years to upwards of almost a million if we don't get back to this early detection and getting the word out there that hospitals, because some people are scared to go to hospitals now because of COVID, right? So yes, you, yes. you have to get pre-screened. You have to get early detection. Look at the icon that is Dick Vitale. You know, Dickie V has spent a majority of his life fighting with the V Foundation, and I'm part of the V Foundation as well, Coaches versus Cancer. I'm, more, I'm on the National Council, so I'm more involved over there. But he has fought his entire life with Coaches versus uh, with the V Foundation. And spreading Jimmy V's message. And here's Dick Vitale now starting chemotherapy for the next six months. And here's a guy that's meant as much to the game of college basketball as any coach or any player. He has promoted the game of basketball better than anyone else. And he's been an advocate for it. And now it's affecting him. And it's affecting all of us. And we need to be aware. And we need to have genuine discussions about health, diet, exercise and things we can do that can prevent some cancers from happening. We're not going to prevent all of it, but we can prevent some of it. And then we need to continue to look at these trial meds and seeing that how much advancements actually have been made. The most precious thing we have in life, Chris, is time. What we do with our time matters. And for me, uh, there is nothing more than I do outside of being a father than give my time to the fight against cancer. That means more to me. And when I have the opportunity to speak on it, I speak on it. When I have the opportunity to help someone fundraise for it, I will fundraise until I can't do it. I am not afraid to cry in front of public about the loss of my father-in-law. I'm not afraid to cry when I hear someone share their story about cancer because I know very well that it very easily can be me, could be my wife, could be my kids, could be my father, could be my mom, my sister, my niece. Um, it, it could be you. And I'd be devastated. I'd be devastated. So I get emotional about it because the time we have together, Chris, that's the best thing in life. 
And I'm not willing to stop fighting and sacrificing my time. If I can take my time to help create more time for a family member or to get us closer uh, to to a cure for some of these things, then uh, I will roll up my sleeves and I will do all that I can uh, to make sure that I, I'm doing my part. And I'm, I'm grateful for the people and the support base I have around me. The doors, uh, Natalie Morrison at the American Cancer Society uh, and Coaches versus Cancer, Long Kruger in particular, who has brought me on uh, to be an advocate and a voice. And I plan on the platform I have is good. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not Dick Vitale. I'm not Jay Billis. Uh, you know, I, but I have a good platform. And if I can use my platform and in, in whatever stature I have that I've gained in 20 years of broadcasting in this business uh, to to help the fight against cancer and be there for people that are in the fight against cancer and know that they're not alone and know that they've got an army of people praying for them uh, and, and supporting them, then by God, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, again, out, outside of being a parent, that's all that matters to me. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, we're definitely sending our, our prayers for Dickie V. Um, we definitely empathize with everyone out there that has suffered or lost people to cancer. I know I have. You have lost very close people. And we and that's the one thing about the American experience is like it seems like everybody I know, we've all have dealt with cancer in some shape. And we got to come fashion. together on it, Chris. We got to come together. We, we got to have real conversations. 
And what is our website? You have a website. You have a place where people can go and donate or support. Well, I think obviously like American that. Cancer Society is 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 a global entity that is involved in so much. Coaches versus cancer. You can just go to type in Coaches versus Cancer in Google and find Coaches out the, the events. And if you want to partake in some of the events that we have, we have fundraisers that are really expensive for big corporations sure. uh, mainly, and sure. then we have some other other ones where. We can do fun, grassroots fundraising efforts. I've done high school basketball tournaments where in one weekend we've raised 13000 to $23,000 uh, and awesome. given all of that to coaches versus cancer. Um, and, and I think what I left with those experiences, and I ran a couple of them um, with my club team that I was coaching uh, before I joined BTI. Uh, I had, a, I had a, a spinoff team from West Coast Elite. And I, I started these tournaments and I called up Ryan Silver. It's like, hey, Ryan, I need some teams. He, he brought all of his teams. I brought BTI. I had Compton Magic. We're all there. Like all of these guys, they, they want to do good. And the players, what I did was I mandated that when they were done with the tournament, that they had to hear about cancer and how it's affecting people. And every tournament bracket was named after someone who is actually still fighting cancer or had been passed away of cancer uh, that was tied to someone directly to the event. And so... Uh, when you looked at your bracket, you had a picture of somebody and their bio of their fight right. against cancer. And so it humanized this thing. And these kids started to realize that this was not their normal tournament. They weren't down at the, with OGP. At, uh, you know, they weren't playing at the map. They weren't just, you know, just playing in a normal tournament. They were playing in something that actually did matter more. And we made announcements. We had fundraisers. We had things that we were giving away. And it was a remarkable thing to be part of for, for a couple of years. And COVID kind of shut it down. We're going to try to bring it back this upcoming summer as like an end of summer. And I want to kind of do it as like an L.A. championship for the club circuit and see if I can get television involved in it. I want to get Why Not. I want to get Ryan Silver's team. I want to get the Compton Magic. And I want the top tier BTI team at all three age groups to go against each other and be like, who's the biggest and the baddest in Southern California, mm-hmm. because all those programs have great teams. And if we can do something like that and raise money to fight cancer uh, and get exposure, whether it's on Bally Sports in Los Angeles, whether it's on Stadium, whether it's on something like that, that's what my that's my focus for this upcoming year is to try to develop something like that. So after the July period is done, after the live period is done, is bring those teams together. And then eventually what I want to do is expand it to the entire state of California and get the Oakland Soldiers involved in it and have – you know, I played for the soldiers growing up. Love yeah, to have the soldiers yeah. come down uh, and be part sure. of it as well and have like a California club championship post the live period and get it on television. I think people would watch it first and foremost, uh, but I know we'd raise a lot of really good money as well in, in the fight against cancer. Man, let me let me know what you, if you need anything from me or how I can help. You Always, man. Make that happen. Because, Always. Uh, you know, that that sounds like an amazing cause. And I want to I want to definitely raise the awareness, dude, and actually make a difference in someone's life. Sean Farnham, it's been two hours that we have been sitting on this doggone podcast and we probably could go for another two hours. Bro, we didn't even get into any of the great stories hey. of you being in UCLA, <laughs> but that'll be for well, an additional podcast. Two. Uh, yeah, you're, maybe that's Chris, part two. Chris, Chris also is like, what? What's that? We're out of time. We're out of time. I'm sorry. We sorry, gotta go. Uh, okay, guys, thank you for joining the show today. Uh, <laughs> no, man, we'll save that for part two, man. Uh, hey, man, today has been amazing. Thank you for your wealth of information and knowledge, and your candid, the way you talk about things, your passion, your intensity, bro. Uh, it's it's definitely inspirational, Sean. And uh, man, I appreciate you coming on KJ Live. 
No problem, Chris. Anytime you need me, uh, Bruin for life, teammate for life, friend for life, family for life. Um, and, and anytime I can help you out, you let me know. So proud of you. So proud of your family. Um, and so proud of what you're, what you're doing, man. Keep blazing your own trail, blaze your own path and, and, and know who you are and, and believe and trust in who you are as a person, Chris, cause you're a good person. Thank you, my man. At bed three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.